over here. Hello and welcome to And Why Not, the movie podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine, and each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. For this episode, I'm joined by Art92's Artist Supreme, Helena Edwardson, to discuss the 1987 Joel Schumacher cult vampire classic, The Lost Boys. Whether you're a regular listener or joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoyed the film talk, and as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or if you see this episode posted. And now, with an advance warning for spoilers, and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer! Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Hello, Helena. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Stuart. And how are you? I'm all right. I'm ticking on, ticking good. on. Good, uh, good, good to hear. Thinking of taking an evening trip down to the boardwalk. Ah, uh, be careful. I know. <laughs> it's the murder capital of the world. It, it is the murder capital of the world. And, you, you know, you could end up down in the boardwalk and you'll never grow old and you'll never die. But you must feed, Stuart. You, you must. must feed. You must. <laughs> but, and, you know, Kiefer Sutherland's band looks cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah. Didn't even bury the lead on that one. but. <laughs> I always do this little build-up to the title, and I'm like, if anybody looked at the title of the episode or the icon, they can see what it is. It's just that stupid thing, and it? it's like when you build up a guest. Yeah, it's like, I know what's going description, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for this one, we are talking about The Lost Boys. So a little info on the film, uh, written by Jan Fisher, James Jeremias, and Jeffrey Boehm, directed by Joel Schumacher, starring in order as they appeared on the poster, Corey Feldman, Jamie Gertz, I'm assuming I'm doing that right. Corey Haim, Edward Herman, Bernard Hughes, Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, and Diane Wiest. And I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Bill from Bill and Ted as well. Totally. Alex Winter. Yeah. Alex Winter, indeed. Because if nothing else, he did that Zappa documentary, and that's awesome. Ah, fantastic. Um, yeah. So released in cinemas on the 31st of July, 1987 in the US and the 23rd of October, 1987 over here. Grossed $32,481,776 on uh, worldwide on an estimated budget of eight and a half million, according to IMDb. 
And Roger Ebert gave the film two and a half stars out of four, saying there's some good stuff in the movie, including the class that's good right down to the uh, right down the line, and a willingness to have some fun with the teenage culture and the mass uh, mass murder capital. But when everything is over, there's nothing uh, to leave the theater with. No real horror, no real dread, no real imagination, just techniques uh, uh, at the service of the uh, formula. Um, as seems to be the norm as well, I couldn't find a Barry Norman review because nobody's ever bothered to seem to archive Barry Norman's reviews, which is just mm. odd to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, so critically at the time, it seemed to get mixed reviews, um, which is why I quite like going back to these old reviews because it's quite interesting to see how people saw them at the time. Yeah. Um, I can kind of see where he's coming from, but at the same time, he was a man in his middle age by that point. And I think it was very much aimed at young people. <laughs> yeah, I, say, I, I think that's a bit harsh, if I'm honest. But then I'm going to say that because I'm a fan of the film. Yeah. But, you know, that thing of, you know, no real horror and nothing to leave the, 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 the theatre with. It's like, well, it was. I don't think it was really billed as a full-on horror. It was a horror black comedy, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, because so... I think there's um, an interview with Joel Schumacher where he's like, are you making a horror or a comedy? He's like, mm. yes. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. What, what does that mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> just go back and tell him yes. Because it's got, for, for me, anyway, it's got a bit of everything yeah. in there for me, um, especially at the age I would have seen it and, and the, obviously the, the time it was made and stuff. So what are your memories of first seeing it? Was it a cinema job or...? Well, here's the thing. I have got to be brutally honest and tell you, I actually can't remember when I saw it because when I was younger, I wasn't a big cinema goer. And it's because, probably because it wasn't... it was. It wasn't encouraged in the family as such. They weren't the family weren't cinema goers, and yeah. I, I duly didn't go. And uh, and I, I, we didn't have much money, so obviously going to the cinema cost money and all the rest of it. So I didn't see it at the cinema, and I didn't so I didn't see it when it first came out. But I did see it, um, kind of not long after. And I'm and I'm thinking that I might have seen it with a guy that I used to date many years ago, and we might have seen it on video at his house. And that's where I think I might have seen it. So. I was still, what would I have been? Um, God, it would have been my mid to late teens, something like that. I would have seen it. So it was a while after it was released. So it was it was still fairly new in the scheme of things, but you know, not 20, 30 years later. Yeah. So that's that's I think when I saw it, and I was, and still am to a degree, but particularly in that time, I was, you know, how how can I put this? You know, the hormones were racing and I had a bit of a thing for uh, Kiefer Sutherland. I, I thought he was pretty, pretty nice. So I thought, hmm, you know, a film that has got vampires in it, which I just love vampire films. And, well, films, I love anything to do with vampires. I love anything to do with the law around yeah. vampires. That's why I, I, I you know, it, it, it ticked all the boxes for me. It had, um, it was 80s, it was America, and I had this kind of, um, rose-tinted view of American youth at the time yeah. and how Americans were and I'd never been to America and I'd you know it all looked so glam and you know they had no worries and of course as your kid you don't think about bills and working and <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff do you? you just think oh the glamour of it all and and of course it's got vampires it's got Kiefer Sutherland it's got that um, you know kind of it's like Jason Patrick was the sort of uh, good-looking guy who was, you know, was a good guy but ended up being a bad guy, and it, it, so it, it ticked all the boxes for me. But fundamentally, the whole vampire thing is—I yeah. just, I absolutely love anything to do with with vampires. But I know we'll probably get onto that. But yeah, that's I'm at, that's my—it's not a good memory, I'm afraid, Stuart. I can't fully remember when or where I saw it, but I'm thinking it was with a guy that I used to date many, many years ago, and we used to get videos out on a Saturday night and watch videos at his house, and his mum used to feed us pizza and salad. <laughs> 
Is she single? <laughs> uh, no, I am. Um, there's some certain films in your life that you don't know when you first discovered them. They just mm. always seem to have been there. I mean, yeah. for me with this, I remember as a kid, the video cover wasn't the red hot young people cover that seems to be yeah. the most popular one. It was yeah. the black and white one with just Keith Sutherland. I know, I know. Yellow yeah, yeah. in his hair. Yeah. For some reason as a kid, that picture scared the life out of me. Mm. And um, so for a long time, and then I think it was my 21st birthday, my flatmate bought it me on video. And that Fantastic. was the first time I, he was like, you've got to watch this film. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, that, yeah. In that way that you force the thing you like by giving it as a yeah, gift. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Which I think a lot of it was like, it was an NPC. It was like, what the fuck's that? Oh, Lost Boys is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I watched it on my 21st birthday. I loved it. I was obsessed with it. Oh, oh yeah. Straight back out and bought the soundtrack. And Yeah. Oh, the soundtrack is, is something else, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Right from the beginning, you know, the, the soundtrack hits you right at the beginning with the they're kind of floating over the, the, the water, over the sea yeah. and stuff. And it's just, and I think that's the other thing as well. Sorry, I should have mentioned that as well when I said it ticked all the boxes. The soundtrack, I love a film with yeah. a really good soundtrack as well. And at, at the time, I hadn't heard of all of the songs on there. Obviously, I'd heard, I'd heard of the In Excess ones, but it's, it was just everything. It, it just hit that beat every time when there was something happening. There would, there would be the music in the background. Which, yeah. To me, music can, it's very emotive, isn't it? Music will, um, you know, Gone up emotions with in you what and, and that's that's it's a good soundtrack it's, yeah it's i think i've listened to the soundtrack more than i've seen the film mm, mm. <laughs> on hard rotation for a long time it's yeah. that perfect angsty young 20 something oh <laughs> totally totally oh yeah 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 people Absolutely. are strange <laughs> yeah well they are indeed <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean that opening is amazing the music the shot the introduction to the vampires it's I mean, you don't know they're vampires at the time. You know, there's something weird about them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think, you know if you've read the box, but... Yeah, of course. But it's that... You're absolutely right. That that beginning bit... Because when you think back now, at the time it was made, nowadays, it would have been a drone that went over, but it probably was a helicopter yeah. back in those days that went over. You know, when you, and because when you're watching it, you don't... It sounds really stupid, this, but you don't really think about how that's done. But as, as you get older and you get more wise, you think, oh, how was that done? It would have been a helicopter. But now you just put drone. I remember you know, we were seeing in the credits, like, helicopter pilot. I was like, there wasn't a helicopter in this fucking film. What are they talking about? It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, clearly that's how they got that shot. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's just like that. And I think what I like about it is it's because it's, it does it twice, doesn't it? It goes over in the dark and then goes over to the boardwalk. Yeah. And then when it cuts from that scene, it goes over in the daylight. And that's when the, the, the family's moving and they're driving into Santa yeah. Carla. But that introduction with with the the, the Lost Boys, as, as they, they are, on that boardwalk, causing a bit of a fracas on the the, uh, the 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 carousel, that that got me as well because that you know that that bad boy look and yeah. you know the long coats and the earring and you know the the Kiefer Sutherland's hair, which admittedly is a bit of a mullet, but it's, he's got great hair, and you just think, yeah, you're there's something something naughty about you guys, isn't there? What you know you call, and then of course the thing as well is the significance of the couple on the carousel as well. Because and when you first see, why pick on that couple? It's because they appear a couple of times yeah. through the film and they have significance and that's why they, they have that bit of a fracas with them. And then the security officer says, told you boys to not come on the boardwalk. And you think, ooh, <laughs> you know, it's it. Yeah, it's great. That is great. Sorry, I've gone off on a thing about the, the scenes, but obviously I know you're going to go into those. So sorry no, if no, I've just ahead there, It's great. It. No, I, like I say, the, the film's sort of the starting point and then we go wherever it takes cool, us kind of thing. Cool. 
but I do like their look because it's weirdly 80s, but at the same time also feels quite dated at the time, which makes yeah. you think that it fits in nicely with them being vampires. To the point totally. where like nobody seems to be wearing leather jackets. So when Jason Patrick buys his leather jacket, yeah, which I love that scene because we've all yes. done that. We've been like, that looked cool yeah. in that film. I'm going to go out and buy that. Outfit. I'm going to go. Out. Yeah, absolutely right. Looked a bit <laughs> unsure when we try it on, and then as we're walking away, we're still playing with it. Like, yeah, it's like, you is, is it okay? Is it you know, especially a new? I, I can remember buying um, a biker jacket, a black biker jacket, when I was in college, and I'd saved up and saved up and saved up, and it was like dead stiff. You know, and if I come to think of, think of it, I probably wanted that would have sort of influenced me wanting a black jacket. And I know it wasn't necessarily a biker jacket that Jason Patrick had, but this was a biker jacket, and it was so stiff that I moved inside it. It was awful; <laughs> it creaked. Anyway, over over time, it got softer and softer and softer, and it was a, oh, I wore it to death. And you think that probably when I think back now, that film probably influenced me. But the, when I watched the film, I didn't have the money to, to to buy myself a leather jacket. It was only when I got a Saturday job in Woolworths that could I save up and get myself a leather jacket yeah you know? I spent about 60 70 quid on a long black coat because I oh. saw a picture of Pierce Brosnan from a promo shoot for one of the Bond films and he had a yeah. long coat on and he was pointing a gun but the way it looked in the picture I was like oh a coat like that yeah and I bought it and I got home my mum was like you know this is like three sizes too big <laughs> I was like, I don't care I, was like, I wore this massive coat for ages till my wife saw me and she's like you got like a flasher <laughs> Still married me though. So. That, well, that is the only problem with a long coat. I remember when, when uh, I first, well, it wasn't when I first met him, but I do remember seeing Damien and he had this long crombie coat, it was full and coat, and he kind of floated. And be- I mean, he's, I'm smaller than him, he's a bit taller than me, and he kind of floated in this coat. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> and then the rest is history. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, you're right about the look, Stuart, the, the look of those guys, because they did, they did kind of. St- I mean, obviously, they had to stand out because of what they were. But yeah. when you when you compare them to the rest of people in in Santa Carla, they they've got the you know the double denim look, you know that kind of yeah, like, they, they a little like bit hillbilly, yeah, kind band, of don't they? Some of them, and... yeah. And then you've got these guys in these big boots and and you know the, the earring and the the, the chain. You can hear them jangling, and then you've got Kiefer Sutherland with this bit of a the mullet, but you've got the other guys that have got what I refer to as poodle pop hair, yeah. you know, like Def Leppard hair kind of thing, and you think. Yeah, and a little bit of makeup and stuff. It's like a so Pantera some... album cover, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and they don't say much, and I suspect probably because they they may not have been the best of actors. I know, you know, Bill, uh, Bill of Bill and Ted went on to do other things, but yeah. and Kiefer Sutherland obviously went from strength to strength because because previous to this, although I watched this film after um, the film I'm going to say now after Lost Boys, he was in a film called um, The Bay Boy, which I think was probably his first leading film when he was played lead he was only like 18 in it and it's a fascinating film really a coming of age film it's like semi-autobiographical of the guy who did the film it's a lovely film and I think it might because Kiefer Thun's Canadian so I think it might have been a Canadian film and that was a, such a such a marked because I was so used to seeing him in, yeah. in The Lost Boys it was such a marked difference and it was so, it's such a lovely gentle film I can't find it anywhere but it's I'd like to watch it again because I watched yeah. it years years ago but yeah that um I've gone off on a tangent now, but yeah, that look of, of the Lost Boys is uh, it's just it's a real um, real grabber for I think for people who are watching that film for the first time thinking yeah I want that look and you're right it's it's probably come back round again because people do dress like that now and have that kind of semi I don't know it's sort of semi heavy metal semi goth I can't really yeah. pinpoint it really I can't put it into a into a, a box but yeah the, the look of them and then you think yeah you, there's something something not right with you guys you're up to no good. <laughs> 
as, as the security guard finds out. <laughs> Indeed, to his peril, he does find out when off he goes to his car and never to be seen again. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's weird how young you actually find out they all were. I think Kiefer Southern was 18 or 19 when he made it. Jason Patrick was just turned 20, I think. Just 20, yeah, yeah. And it's but they look so much older. <laughs> yeah, it's I... funny, is it? Because I thought that Jason Patrick was older than what he was playing. You know, yeah. often you'll get. I think because you're used to like American. It's like Greece, isn't it? Yes. You know, John Travolta was like forty, but he wasn't. Yeah. He was thirty. But yeah, yeah, but I think he was thirty, wasn't she? I think Stockard um, Channing was close. Stockard Channing, that's but, it. She yeah. was thirty. So you're used to that thing of of playing younger people. But when mm-hmm. I looked him up, he was only like twenty twenty one when he played it. But he he just give off an air of somebody being a bit older. Because um, you'd I watch things why. like that, you'd watch like nine hundred two one zero that sort of thing, and you'd look at your people at school that are meant to be the same age, like nothing like Jason Priest. I know, I know. It's like you know, st- I don't know. As a kid, you'd, you still have long socks on, you still you know have braces on your teeth, and you're thinking, yeah. hang on, I don't look like that. <laughs> and that's that was the probably the um, the pull of watching these American films, thinking, no, they all they're all so glamorous, and yeah. there's something about them, and you know, he's going off buying a leather jacket. It's like, where's he got the money from to buy that? You know, and and he's got a motorbike and. You think, yeah, and there I am growing up in a crappy little seaside town with, yeah. <laughs> although we had a boat, well, we didn't really have a boardwalk, but you know, I was by the sea, so I've got that, I think that's probably another draw for it, is the fact that it was by the sea, Yeah. Whole kind of beach thing going on, and we didn't have a pier or anything, but it's, we had a fun fair, so there's all that, and that the whole thing of the fun fair, I don't know about you, but I find fun fairs at night quite creepy, Yeah. there's something same. about them that give me the shivers, so add that. The funfair at night to vampires, and you never see them initially flying because I don't think they had enough budget for it at the beginning. No, so, it's all done jewel style, oh, isn't it? Where yeah, it's just the and I like that. In. I like that because that I don't. I think not giving too much away. It's it's a bit like um, it's a bit like a sex scene, isn't it? You don't need to see the act. Yeah, it, it, you know, you know, it's gone on. It's a bit like um, damn it, here I go again with my lack of remembering things. Um, there's a great film where. You, it's it's a very old film which will come to me i'm sure at the end where you don't see the act you just see her you just see olivia de havilland lying in bed with her feet sticking out and she's wiggling her toes you don't need to see it yeah you know you know it goes on you know what's going to happen but it's just the inference of that and i like that inference of them swooping and again no drones the helicopter swooping <laughs> around i think i love that and then when you see the security guard open his door and, and disappear you still don't see him but the whole door ripping off you think yeah. bloody hell that's a hell of a yank that isn't it so it's uh, it's it's. I like not seeing the actual vampires until much, much later, and you don't see them. Yeah, because it look like vampires. It's surprisingly far into it, isn't it? It's sort of when yeah. they're tempting Jason Patrick, telling him he's got a feed. Yes. And then you get they, that yeah. really cutty but kind of brutal, like when he bites the bowl guy in the top of the head. In the top of the head. Yeah, and that's I the first like, that's time you see. Feed. I know. It's like. Oh, blimey. You know, and I do, uh, and, I've, and I've no doubt we'll come on to the whole lore around vampires, but yeah, it's um. The fact that you don't see it until later on, I think keeps, I think keeps you gripped. Of you obviously know the vampires because of the whole swooping down thing, and there's something going on, and the whole, the way that they get. Um, I don't know if you don't, do, you, do you want to talk about the way they get Jason Patrick, um, yeah. Michael into yeah. So, so yeah. So of course the family move to Santa Carla, which was which was actually filmed in Santa Cruz, but Santa Cruz didn't want them saying Santa Cruz because they didn't want the association with vampires in Santa Cruz. However. What I do find funny is 
when they drive past that welcome to Santa Carla <laughs> billboard and at the back it says murder capital of the world. Yeah. Santa Cruz was <laughs> the murder capital of the world at that time. So it's like, there they are getting But they sleeping. weren't vampires. So. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't matter that people were being shot and stabbed and what have you. They're not vampires. So I, I do like that little touch there. They, they had that in there. And um, it's the fact that they it, it, it immediately, they go to the boardwalk that evening, don't they? And the, yeah. there's the there's Tim... Tim, Timmy Capella, the, the the sexy chain guy that's oiled up, that's playing the saxophone. So he's playing, and which I did find out that he is an actual saxophone player and he supported Tina Turner through the 80s and 90s. So he does play the saxophone. See, and he's I, I, I don't know if familiar are with wrestlers, but for years I thought it was Tatonka from WWF. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so if he just had the red strip. I've got you, I've got you, yeah. Because you don't, you only see him kind of, um, sort of, there's a bit of a, there's fire and stuff and mist. You don't see a really good thing of him. You just see him as a. Because yeah. I, I think from what I, I when I looked him up, um, he he'd uh, he was he is a musician. He's still going, and then he became an addict and he got himself clean, and he got himself clean by just going cold turkey and then he started bodybuilding. So he had this sort of this look about him, this bodybuilding, yeah. playing the saxophone, kind of yeah. a look about him on on the stage and stuff. But the fact that they're at the boardwalk and there's so many people there, and then Jason Patrick or Michael catches a glimpse of Jamie Gertz and they, they, they catch eyes at star and they catch eyes, you know, and you think, ah, this, this, you know, but it's like, she's a bit of a lure to him. She's kind of luring him into, into the lair, shall, shall we say. But, um, so it, you know, they, they, he goes after her and finds her. And that's when he encounters, um, it's David, isn't it? David. Yeah. David, yeah. David, uh, Katie Sutherland. And he, they get on the motorbikes and that's another thing, the whole motorbikes, the revving of the motorbikes. And that's all very sort of, you know, sexual, isn't it? On the motorbikes. And she, she gets in the back and they drive off. And then he goes back again. He's looking for her, isn't he? He wants, he wants, he wants to see star again. Cause he's, he's quite enamored with her. But the bit that, that I like about the whole kind of law thing around um, the, the vampires in this is that the law kind of, Pretty much, it stays the same in a lot of things, but it changes slightly depending on the film that you're watching, depending on the series that you're watching, depending on when it was made. So with him, David makes him drink his blood yeah. from a bottle. So and and Star warns him to to not drink it. She goes, "It's blood," and he's like, "That's not blood; it's wine." But the act of drinking that then makes him half vampire. So I like that thing of being a half vampire, not a yeah. fully full vampire. I, so I love in, how they build that up so he doesn't believe her when she says it's blood. Yes. He's already messed with him with the maggots. With, and the, the, with the maggots, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I should have led him with action. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, I'm assuming it's... people have seen it. So. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I, I'm jumping ahead here. So yeah, you're right. So they, they get food. So he, basically David and the Lost Boys take Michael down into a sunken kind of casino that was on a built on a the fault. So when there was an earthquake, he got sunk so that they're down there. And then food comes in from somewhere and it's it's Chinese food and he makes Michael believe that he's eating maggots. How are the maggots, Michael? And he spits them on the floor, throws them out. And then David starts eating noodles and he's eating worms. So they've messed with his head and they're making him believe certain things. And then he makes him, well, he didn't make him, he offers him this, this wine in this bottle, this fancy bottle, and he drinks it, which then makes him half vampire. And I, I love that side of it because... The thing I, uh, if you think, if you think about some of the recent sort of vampire things that I'm, I got quite heavily into. I got very heavily into True Blood, and I watched the whole of all the series, and then I went back and watched them all again fairly recently. And that one, it's the the difference with that is that the vampires feed off people, but they'll they'll keep them alive. Yeah. You know, they'll just feed off them, and and you know not too much. But 
to turn them, they will completely drain them and put them in the ground and then they'll, they'll turn into a vampire. And then that, the person, the vampire that's turned them is their maker and they belong to them. So I like that side of yeah. the whole vampire law thing. But with this, they're only half vampire. So it, he still has the sort of vampire um, uh, feelings and things like that, but he doesn't know that yet until yeah, he suddenly you, gets bloodlust. They're not a full vampire until they <laughs> feed, are they? Until they right. feed, yeah. So it, it, they, they become a full vampire when they make their first kill. Yeah. So Star, and we don't know at this point, although it becomes apparent that she's a half vampire and so is the young lad Laddie that she sort of hangs around with now. There's no, it doesn't really tell you what relationship Laddie is to Star. So I don't know whether, you know, it's not sort of mentioned, is it? So I don't know whether she, he could be a son, he could be a brother, or she, he could just be somebody she's looking after. Because yeah. what I do like from, from the very, very beginning, if we go back to the beginning when they first arrive at Santa Carla and you've got the People Are Strange music playing and they're going around. And to me, I could be wrong here, but it looks like it's just actual real footage of people just yeah. wherever it may have been filmed. I, I love that. I love the intercutting of like yeah. the weirdos, for want of a better term. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people having fun, then the missing kids posting that. It feels this very missing Stephen kids. King. Yes, that was the bit I was getting to is there's these missing posters yeah. everywhere and you think, oh, there's there's an inference here that there's something not quite right in Santa Carla. Why are all these kids missing? Where are these people, you know? And then you do see later on in the film that Laddie is on the side of a milk bottle because he's missing. You don't know yeah. he's a missing child, but he's been brought into the to the lair of the spoys, as it were. But um, you see, I'm going to have to look back at my notes now because I th- I've already said to Stuart before the podcast started that my short term memory is shot to <laughs> shit. So I have to I have to make these notes to remind myself because I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Um, so yeah, after he he and there's a, there's a bit of um not confusion so much, but you never quite know what's day, what's night because the, it's, it kind of cuts from day to day to day. But you then think, actually, it's all the same day, day into night kind of thing. You just you go by the clothes, don't you, really? But there's um there's a great bit where um when he goes to the boardwalk, um he's he's had the he's had the wine, blood, and he goes back to the boardwalk and he he's on his motorbike and the lost boys uh, and David kind of um dares him to keep up on the motorbike. He says, you don't have, he said, I can't beat you. You've got much better. He goes, you don't have to beat me, Michael. You just have to keep up with me. And then off they go and they have that fantastic race across the beach. <laughs> that, that's amazing. And the, the, the sand's kicking up. And I was going to say, Michael, I see you get sand in your eyes though. Sand, oh God, yeah. It's like, it, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it looks sexy on film, but in real life. Like, yeah, it's, ah, oh God, God it's, in your, it's in your teeth. It's, it, uh, you'd be choking on it. When uh. I know because I grew up by the beach. So it's bad enough just on a bicycle, let alone on a motorbike. So they have this race, and he mentions um I've forgotten the name of it now. You mentions something point, which you know is probably going to be a cliff face. So that and of course, um, stars on the back of the bike with with um David, and he's trying to keep up, and he's trying to keep up, and he's trying to keep up. And there's the inference that there is a cliff edge. You don't see it, but there's an inference there because the 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 camera is on the ground, and it's you know it's the the camera's where the headlight is lighting up just directly in front of the motorbike. And they're heading and, and they're, they're going, at, you know, hell for leather. And suddenly Michael's sort of um, motorbike slips and he falls off just before he gets to the edge of the cliff. And there's a bit of a to-do then. He's, he's yeah. really annoyed about it. He's like, you know, just you, just you, because he wants to take him on kind of thing. And then I, I'm trying to remember what whether they, from there, is it, is it the same night that they then go to the railway bridge? I can't remember if it's, it's another night. Oh, I can't remember. Now. It's from there that they go... It's from there that they go and he drinks the blood, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
And then is it the next night they go to the railway bridge? They go to the railway the bridge. Night? I think it might be the next night because there's 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 a bit of time goes on because obviously in the middle of all this, yeah, because I think he see... drinks the blood, then he wakes up in his bed, doesn't he? If I remember Sorry, rightly, that's right. Yep, yeah, you're absolutely right. He takes he take drinks that blood, and then they go off to a railway bridge, and they're sort of standing on this railway bridge, and Michael's kind of goading. Um, sorry, David's goading Michael. And one by one, each of the lost boys drop down this bridge. And Michael's like, what the hell's going on? Because they drop down, they disappear down, down the, the, to the edge of this bridge. And one by one, they kind of, as they, they're going to do it, they give like a click of the fingers or a thumbs up and a, a kind of point to, to, um, to Michael. And they drop down and they drop down. And Michael's like, what, what, you know, what the hell's going on? And then next thing, David drops down. And he can hear them and they're kind of hooting and hollering under this bridge. So he does climb down and they're all, and he looks down, sorry, and they're all hanging with their arms above their heads, they're all hanging. <laughs> and if anybody doesn't know how difficult that is, it's bloody difficult to hold your own weight on a, on a, um, a bar. I've tried to do pull-ups several times. Oh I cannot my God. pull up my own body weight. It's ridiculous. I think I could manage two when it, I was back in, it back in my weightlifting days. always amazing when somebody's holding like that, holding yeah, somebody else like that, it's and like, they pull them up. It's like, no. No, no. You, it's, <laughs> it is impossible. Impossible. Like I said, I could probably do one, and then I got to do a second one just about getting my chin on it, and it's impossible. So they're all hanging off this, this railway bridge, and then you can hear a train coming. So and what I like about that as well is you can see them doing it. They're shaking themselves. Yeah. You can see them shaking themselves to, to look like the, 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 you know, the, the train is going over. And Michael's really, really struggling. And then bit by bit, they one by one, should I say, sorry, they all let go and they, they disappear into this dry ice, into this mist at the bottom of them. And like, finally, David and Michael are left just looking at each other. And David's going and saying, you're one of us now, Michael, you're one of us. And of course, he doesn't really understand what, what he means by what, what do you mean by one of us? You know, you know you're one of us. And he, he lets go. And you can hear them. You can hear them hooting and hollering in this, in this mist below. And it gets too much for him, like it would any for anybody. He cannot hold on to this this um, sort of bar anymore. And he bit by bit, you can see his fingers like slowly coming off the bar. <laughs> and he finally lets go, and he disappears. And there's a, there's a lovely bit of cinematography when he kind of looks like he's floating in this in this mist, and he's floating, and you're thinking, where's he going? Float, float, float. And then it cuts to him, kind of landing on his own bed in yeah. his house. And it's that I like that. I like that idea of him of him like not knowing how the hell he's got home he's probably flown home but he doesn't realize he's how he's flown home you know and then immediately he realizes he's got this light sensitivity and he's got to put these sunglasses on straight away because he's you know i think it's two o'clock in the afternoon or something because it's yeah, sam his his younger brother yeah comes in he said it's, it's mum on the phone and she she said she's going to go on a um a date with max the video store owner can you look after sam and it's like oh you know oh, typical teenager i've got plans <laughs> And she said, I don't ask for much, you know, and he eventually says, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll look after him for you. You know, the fact that he, Sam doesn't really need looking after, but he says, I'll look after him for you. Yeah, I was going to say, he's been off on his own because he's met the Frog Brothers. The and... Frog Brothers, the <laughs> Frog Brothers, which are fantastic because, again, I've, I've probably completely jumped ahead here because he meets Sam, the, the younger brother of um, Michael. He, he goes off on, on the boardwalk in daylight. Uh, sorry. I tell a lie. He goes at night because he goes at night to the to the comic shop. He finds this fantastic, huge comic shop. And that's where the significance of that couple that were being um, picked on, shall we say, by the Lost Boys on the carousel. That couple are seen outside the, the comic shop messing around and they pinch the comic. 
out of the box at the front of the shop because they have a table at the front of the shop with comics in. They, they, they pinch a comic and run off. So there's a, there's a significance to that because later on they're in the car and she's reading the comic and, yeah. and her boyfriend's trying to get it on with her. She's reading the comic, she's laughing and laughing and laughing. Next thing you know, the roof's ripped off and they're ripped out of the car. And again, you don't see the, what's, who's ripping That's them out so of the car. Well done, it's so, so good, isn't it? She's climbing out the sort of slightly Jackie Onassis. Yeah. She's coming, like, climbing out the back of the, the car trying to get away and off they disappear. But yeah, he goes to this comic shop and he's walking around and he looks against the, and he meets the Frog Brothers, but against the Frog Brothers, he's quite slick, is Sam. He's, he's looking very 80s, where these Frog Brothers are very, and they are, they're Edgar and Alan, they are named after Edgar Allan Poe as yeah. well, the characters are. So they're the Frog Brothers, and Edgar, who's played by Corey Feldman, has a Rambo-esque look about him, and he, he puts on this stupidly deep voice, very Rambo-esque. Yeah, apparently Joel Schumacher was like, I want you to go away and I want you to watch all these films. I want you to come <laughs> back and that's what your character thinks he is. So brilliant. that's where he came back with the deep voice and the Rambo. Because it is, brilliant. it's like, like, what do you know about yeah. <laughs> You need to read this. It's, it's like, like 14, man. <laughs> I, it's, so, it's so clever. It's so good. I mean, Corey Feldman um, is a good actor and Corey Haim was a, was a fantastic actor. Yeah. And I know they did become friends. They, they fell out a little bit in real life and they'd become friends and Corey Feldman tried to support I, Corey I Haim. think it was that thing where they were forced together, weren't they? It was the yes, Corys and... the Corys and stuff, yeah. So you, it, And, of course, with Corey Haim having the issues that he had, that was it was always going to sort of implode yeah. a little bit, wasn't it? So, But, yeah, so he meets these frog brothers, which um, it's... They kind of... He, and he... He's looking at the, the comics, isn't he? And and you'll probably know this better than me, Stuart, because I, my comic knowledge is very, very, very poor. But he, he looks and says, you can't have that comic here because that hasn't been introduced yet. So he tells them where they should be putting the comics. You know, it means nothing to me, but he, he, he's telling them where they should be putting the comics. Got a problem, guys? Just scope in your civilian wardrobe. Pretty cool, huh? For a fashion victim. Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the diet frozen yogurt bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. That's a very serious book, man. Only five in existence. Four, actually. I'm always looking out for the other three. Look, you can't put the Superman number 77s with the 200s. They haven't even discovered red kryptonite yet. And you, uh, you can't put the number 98s with the 300s. Lori Lamaris hasn't even been introduced. Where the hell are you from? Krypton? Phoenix, actually. But lucky me, we moved here. Take this. I don't like horror comics. You'll like this one, Mr. Phoenix. It could save your life. Maybe he's got that, like, long-knitted... Oh, it's fabulous. On. It's fabulous. It just so stands out as, as being a little bit slick, you know, compared to the, think, to the Frog Brothers. Again, I think it was Joel Schumacher in one of the bonus features on the DVD described him as somebody who'd, like, you know, been forced to go to malls, but, you know, had no sense of fashion. So it was just whatever was forced whatever on was, him. Yeah, and yeah. He just made, and I was like, I can so relate to that. I was yeah. very much like, whatever shit my parents bought me, I just had to make it work kind of that, thing. It, that's exactly right. Because if you think about the whole situation with the family, is that um, Diane Weiss, as she's got Lucy, she's got divorced and she's had to move and move in with her dad. Yeah, she wouldn't Carlos. fight in the divorce, would she? Yeah. And she's, it was just, I love you know, his line of, I think you're the only person who's left a divorce with less money than less. Yeah, in, in a worse situation. It's like, yeah. So she goes back and lives with, and I don't know whether she's originally from Santa Carla or her dad moved to Santa Carla, but she goes back to live with him because she's, she's just literally got what's in the car and what's in the trailer that she's pulling and, and that's it, you know, so. 
Because I think at one point doesn't... Yes, that's right. When they move in and they're moving all the stuff in and Michael has a, a big dumbbell and he's, he's messing with this dumbbell and Sam says something to him. Goes, no, he goes, we're, we're shit poor. He says something to him. It's like, yeah, you've got no money, you know. So you're absolutely right. He's got to make do with, with, with what he's got, hasn't he? But yeah, going back to the Frog Brothers, they're, they're great because they obviously know there's vampires in Santa Carla and they've got this kind of thing going on and they, they give him this comic, don't they, called, is it called Vampires Everywhere? Yes, like yeah, it's Vampires Everywhere and then there's another one as well, which I can't yeah. remember the name of now. And it's like, you know, go away and go away and read this. You know, <laughs> so he's, he's fully preparing himself for what's going on and, and that's when he, he, he is reading it, isn't he, at home. He's reading it in bed and his bloody granddad He's like a taxidermist, isn't he? He brings these bloody awful stuffed things in and puts them by the side. He goes, oh, thanks, Grandpa. You know, he's a very polite young man. Thanks, Grandpa. Oh, God, he's like, he it's, doesn't it's look like a at raccoon it. or something, isn't oh, it? Oh, my they God. Go for, oh, but... Something about stuffed animals. I remember we had to draw them in college. Oh, and they stunk. And so he's looking at this this bloody stuffed animal and he, he just gets up and like, no, I can't have that looking at me. So he's he pretty much got a cupboard full of them. Yeah. Full of them, yeah. Because later on he puts an eagle or something in there. It's like, oh, God, puts that in, you know. Sort of, as we've touched on him, let, let's talk about, like, arguably the best character in the film, which is Grandpa. He's oh. such an amazing character. I love his taxidermy. I love his, the fact yeah. he's willing to put window lean on instead of our... Oh, my God. Yeah, what, what would make do? What would make for um, uh, aftershave around here? And that go, Sam, go and Sam is the picks Johnson. it up and says, yeah. yeah. Oh, going to service Widow Johnson. The, I, I love that because... And what I like about him is he's... Well, he, well... I won't spoil the end, but you you think he's quite oblivious to everything, and I love that bit. And I am jumping ahead here a little bit where they go and um, save um, Star and Laddie, and they're carrying they're all in a bit of a mess, and he's carrying them into the house. And Grandpa says, "You know the rules about taking the car, filling it up with gas, don't you?" And they go, "No, Grandpa." And it's like he, <laughs> he's like, "Well, you do now." And he walks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he's completely ignored the fact that they are covered in like you know gunk after staking a vampire. And they're carrying these these people into his house. He's, he's, he's completely kind of, and he's got that whole room to himself when he does his taxidermy and his shelf in his in his fridge. Yeah. Don't touch the stuff on my it's shelf. His old in my bastard fridge. shelf. Yeah. Is it old bastard or yeah, the, yeah, the old fart shelf. Yeah, old fart. Yeah, and he's yeah he's got a little cardboard flap on it, isn't he? It's like don't touch. And it's it's right when when you share um, a fridge with people, you do have your area of the fridge. Yeah. It's like do not touch my shit on my fridge. That's my shit, and I, I like that. Didn't he didn't. He's got fake Oreos in there or something yeah. like that, and his and his beer. I mean, the last question I'm going to ask you will be about Grandpa, so we'll we'll, we'll save that for. The oh, end. fabulous! But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean. um it's such a great house as well. It's such a great set. It plays oh, really wonderful. well in the final fight between oh, Michael and David. It's perfect. For, we know the high roof. Uh, the way they yeah. shoot, the way you mm. shoot. I mean, Joel Schumacher got a lot of shit for being the guy who did Batman and Robin, but he was a fantastic director. Oh, God, yeah. There's bits in this, like that opening shot where yeah. you're sort of moving in through the air that's very Richard Donner, because obviously Richard Donner was meant to direct it. That's and right, yeah. yeah. On as a few, and that feels very Richard Donnery. If mm. you think of like Lethal Weapon, how that opens with the zoom yeah, in yeah. across LA and that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Joel Schumacher is so good, and the way they shoot that final scene, uh, final fight between Michael and David, where David, it's, you just see his shadows and that, and then it's like the low lighting on his face. Yes, and it's like keeps suddenly look scary as fuck and cool oh, as God. fuck. Oh God, that, that that's it. I mean, totally. I mean, I the, the jumping said. around a little bit in the air, it, it's fine, but it's. I think because we've seen it done so many more times now, it looks a bit hokey. Yes, and you yeah, can yeah. kind of see why they didn't bother with the flying stuff. Early oh, on. totally. And I think that you know. You're right. They could have, if they'd done the flying, if they had like a, a bit more budget and they'd done the flying at the beginning, I think it had the, had the potential to to ruin it. I think, I've, it, having already said it, it kind of, it's the inference. You don't see it 
But I think that's more frightening than anything. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a the bit Jaws like... factor, isn't it? It's the, um, you know, thank God the shark didn't work. Otherwise, we'd have been looking at a rubber shark going after people instead of just that camera eye view. Absolutely. And if you think back to um, the, is it the Evil Dead? When there's something rushing yeah. through the forest and you don't see it, but it makes you, it makes your heart race because you think, shit, you know, it's, it's chasing after whatever it is. It's, this entity is chasing after them through the forest. But you don't see it. And I, I like that not actually seeing the monster or the you know the the whatever it may be it, it adds nicely as well to the you know are they vampires or is there just something weird going on because even when they drop into that dry ice kind of thing you don't know how don't... far down below the dry no. ice it is they could have they could know that it's like that much of a drop absolutely kind of thing absolutely. so you do have that thing in the back of your mind like oh, are they vampires and i like that's why it builds up so much to yes the final I, I reveal lo- of them being absolutely vampires. yeah I, I love that and that that kind of thing and i'm trying to remember whether uh Oh no, I think it, I, you you might remember Stuart. I can't remember whether when they take Michael to that where those those uh, people are hanging around around that bonfire, and he says um, you need to feed. I can't remember if because they you see them. Is that the first time you see them as vampires? It's the first time you see him because yeah. he comes out of the dark with the vampire that, that's face it, on. With the vampire face. Yeah. I like that they've got the it's these teeth instead of these teeth as well. That are yeah, they're vampire teeth. There's nice little touches to vampire lore in this, like I say, the moving of the teeth Yes. from what is traditionally considered. And I like the whole thing about, I mean, mainly from Buffy, everybody's familiar with the, if you invite a vampire into your house, they can enter. If not, they can't. I like the fact that it depowers any thing you could use against a vampire if you've invited it in. That's that lore around vampires. I love that whole, you you have to invite them in, but you can also rescind their invite. And I love that. And it, that was quite um that was a big thing in True Blood as well. I don't know if you've ever ever seen True Blood. I've watched but, a couple of episodes, but it wasn't quite for me in, at the time. Yeah, so. it's it's quite intense and it, it takes a while to sort of get into it. And it does get utterly ridiculous, but then it's it's a it's a vampire yeah. you know series. But yeah, I love that. And as soon as you rescind it, they literally have to start they start walking backwards because they, they are being pushed out of your house. But I like the fact that um Max says, You you know, once you invite me in. You, your power, you're rendered useless. You know, you, it you, plays you, that thing say, that you think he has to be invited in, but they don't mm. have to be invited in. They can enter your house because we find out at the end when the vampires break in that they can get in without being invited in. But with Max, he knows that he needs, you know, he knows that he probably knows who the Frog Brothers are, so he knows yes. that they're onto him. Yes. Um, I do love the thing where he's like doing all the different things. He's like, oh, it's it's with the, brilliant with the garlic. He's like, no, with I like garlic, but not that. Yeah. <laughs> And that the holy water on the table. Yeah, like, does it throws work? that on him and then switches all the lights off. And when the lights come on, they're holding a mirror in his face. It's like, Whoa! <laughs> I think it's the like, fact it's Edward Herman as well, who, yeah. I mean, later on, fans of the Gilmore Girls will know him from that, which I've seen odd episodes, but yeah. not enough to be able to tell you what his character is. I think he might be the dad or the ah, granddad, right. or the okay, dad and the granddad. You. But yeah, he's got one of those very warm... Mm. I like that he's trying to play sexy in this and, you know, in an 80s way he is. And, you know, yes. he runs a video shop. And how cool is that? Well, I was watching that and I was like, oh, God, I miss video shops. Oh, God. And then I was yeah. playing this spot, the films in the background. So we had like, oh, lucky man with Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's when weird. Was... That's so prominently placed. <laughs> when I was a kid, well, when I was younger, um, my best mate, her family ran a video shop and uh, we could have a pick of anything we wanted. It was great. And just pick a video and take it upstairs and go and watch it. It was it was brilliant. But um, you've just made me think about uh, a particular line in the film as well, which I really like. It's what Sam says. And when you think about it, it's a typical kid thing to say. And it's it's utterly ridiculous the, when it's said. But it's the bit where 
when Michael gets bloodlust and he yeah. he's, and he's in Sam's in in the bath, which again I have an I issue with Sam because what what sixteen year old or whatever age he is would sixteen year old boy would voluntarily get into a hot soapy bath without his mum there? Do you, do you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> if if I could sing along to the radio and do that with my hair, oh uh, well, that's, that's all the that. shit I did. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. But yeah, so Michael's got this bloodlust. He's at the outside the, the the bathroom door, and then um, Nanook the dog protects him and and goes for Michael and, and bites his hand. But I love the bit where Sam goes to find him and he's down in the basement, isn't he? And he's he's got this bloody hand and he says, "What do you do to What do you do to Nanook? What do you do to my dog?" And then it's the fact that Sam looks at Michael in the mirror and goes, "Look at your reflection, Michael. Look at your reflection." And the bit that I love when he says, "I'm gonna have written it down," he said, "You're a creature of the night, Michael." Just like in the comic book, my own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. But the bit that really makes me laugh at the end of that is, just wait till mum finds out. <laughs> it's like, you, your brother's a vampire and all you care about is just wait till mum finds yeah. out. But that is a typical thing that a kid would say. We, we've all done it. If you've it got is, siblings. You always want that one-upmanship on your siblings. Of course you do. You? Yeah. So. I, I can remember me and my brother, we'd say that, oh, just wait till mum, just wait till we get home. Just wait till mum. It's like, oh, shit. I'm in big trouble now. It's like, yeah, you're in big trouble because mum's going to know you're a vampire. <laughs> It's like you always want that. that camaraderie with your sibling, but at the same yeah. time, you're like, I can't wait to tell mum what you fucking do. Oh, done. God, you're so old. Just you wait till we get home. You're so in trouble. It's like, oh, shit. And I knew I was in trouble as well, whatever it was I'd done. Oh, it's mainly because you know that if they're getting shit, you can go off and be scot-free for a little. Yeah, oh, totally, <laughs> totally put put the onus on it's, them. It's definitely. not so much about throwing your brother under the bus. It's about, you know, the spotlight's off me for a little while. Yes, I can go off and do silly things while my brother or sister is getting sold off. Definitely. <laughs> I do love that scene between um, Jason Patrick and Diane Weiss where she's like, we don't talk anymore kind of thing. You used to tell me stuff. That's such a really nice scene in a film where it probably possibly doesn't belong. But... Yeah, you're right. Because in, when he says, I've got a lot, go-, and she goes, don't tell me you've got a lot going on. It's like, yeah, because she's she's the adult. She's been through those years. And she it's like it's like he's telling her, like like we all did, didn't we, when we were younger? We're telling our parents something that, that they, we think they don't know. It's like, of course they know. They've yeah. been our age. They're adults. They gave yeah. birth to us. They had us. Of course, they're going to know. You know, it's something I realise more as my kids are getting older. Yes, of like, course, of course, you will. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I know. I've got to tell you off, but I also know I was exactly the fucking thing. <laughs> exactly. We all did it. You know, we all did stupid things and things that we regret. And it's that thing that you think your parents don't know anything, don't you? you just think, yeah. you know, what, what do they know? They're old. It's like yeah, they weren't. They're not that old for it was one. Different when they were my age. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, it wasn't. You know, it was exactly the fucking exactly. same. We just had different music. <laughs> exactly. You're absolutely right. When they say, "Oh, kids today," it's like yeah, but. You know, you, we were the same. We did silly things and screeched around and hooted and hollered in, in the streets. It's, it's, you know, it's called being a child and doing childhood things. You yeah. Know? But yeah, that, that's a, that's quite a touching scene, that, isn't it, be- between them? There's lovely off, family you know? bits in it. Yeah, it's, mm. I mean, they set them up as a nice family unit just with yes. them driving into town with us skipping through the songs, which oh they, yeah, they skip through grooving by the Young Rascals, which is unforgivable. But it does then go into People Are Strange. So totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, no, that's a tune. Go back, go back. It's a great tune. It's a great tune. But yeah, and I think what what strikes me as well is what a lovely young man Sam is. Yeah. You know, for for he's, I don't know if he's playing 15, I think he was 16 when he played him, but he might have been playing a 15. Yeah, I'm not sure whether he's meant to be 14, 15 mm. or, because he seems younger in some scenes and then, but then it, it's it, that American teen kid, isn't it? Yes, that, I'm exactly. I'm not sure where he's supposed to be. Yeah, because <laughs> there's, there's that little bit of... Uh, to a degree, there's a little bit of maturity with American teenage because they can drive at 16 and it all yeah. seems quite mature, doesn't it, compared, compared to us? I mean, we're still, you know, like, they've still got long socks. Well, 
maybe not now, but you know, we couldn't drive at 16, but there's something about the character Sam and the fact that Corey Haim is a superb actor, or was a superb yeah. actor. And he's just such a, he's such a lovely young man. You know, the fact that he, he thanks his grandpa and he, you know, he, he, he's looking after his mum when his mum goes to take that wine to, to um, Max because she ruined yeah. his night by rushing home when, when Michael had that episode. And she takes that wine and then the nan, uh, not Nanook, so Thorn, Max's dog, goes for her. And she's running, she's going, Sam, Sam! And he helps her over the gate with the, the dog's attacking her kind of thing. And it's just that little thing of, of little caring moments between him and his mum. You know, I really like that. That's really yeah. nice. He's not like a, he's not a, a, an arsehole kid. You know, it's, it's no, nice that. He, he sort of seems to have moments, but he's still sweet with it. It's like when they're going around the house and like, I can't find a TV in any room. I love his excitement when he finds out it's, Grandpa gets the TV guide. I love, I love Grandpa's that. little thing about, you know, the label might be sticking up a little bit. You'll be tempted to peel it off. Don't. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. He went, oh, you have a TV? He went, no, if I get the TV guide, I don't need to watch TV. And it's like, oh, and then he just, he pulls those um, sliding doors closed yeah. on, on his taxidermy studio. It's like, <laughs> such a great really, old man. Thing. It's it's so good. It's like, it's like that bit where he has that um, magnifying glass. And when the, when the sort of the end scene, when they're setting it all up to get the vampires into the house to sort of sort them out, but they want a grandpa out the house. And he turns to the camera, he turns around, and he's got that big sort of magnifying glass thing on, on his head. And they fake the fact that Widow Johnson needs yeah. servicing, shall we say. And he, and he looks and he goes, oh, and I better get myself cleaned up. And he, and he, he, he wobbles his eye, eyebrows and the, the thing wobbles over his eye. And you think, yeah, you dirty old man. He's off to go and see Widow Johnson. <laughs> it's nice to see such a young old man, though, in a film. Oh, and totally. Kind of thing. totally. <laughs> like, oh, usually yeah. the curmudgeonly old shit. <laughs> He's great. He's he's a great old guy because I, I love that scene as well where he's got that lovely old car. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he takes Sam to show him and he gets in and Sam's dead excited and he starts the engine in the garage and he revs it and he went, right, let's go into town. And he switches it off and he went, hmm? It's like, no, he's not taking it anywhere. He just turns it over now and again to keep it going. <laughs> I love that. It's, he's great. I mean... The whole family over it. I love Diane Weist. I love Diane Weist anyway. Oh, she's know, a superb actor. Loose, Hannah yeah. and her sister. They were, didn't think they'd get her because she just won the Oscar for Hannah and her sisters. Oh, really? I know we're not supposed to talk about Woody Allen films anymore, but I can separate the man from you the You can separate them out. Got some you amazing have to be films. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, totally. But it's um, just the little scene with her with Teddy when he's lost outside. And the way Max is looking oh. at him, you're kind of like, that kid was going to get eaten otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, and the, she also defends the, the Lost Boys as well, doesn't she? Because they come yeah. to the video store and he says, I told you not to come in here or, or something like that. And he says something about them causing trouble. And she goes, oh, they're just kids. Yeah. You know, we, so we were young ones. Yeah and, it, it is that, yeah, and it is that thing, isn't it? Of, yeah, they, they weren't doing anything, but obviously we don't know the relationship at that point yeah. between them. So he's hooking them out of his store and she's going, they're just kids. And, and it's right, they're just kids. They're just, you know, they're just hanging around with their... With her long coats and the fancy hair and twinkling their eye, you know, so leave him be. Edward Herman is so good in this mm. as Max because you you genuinely like him and you you know you do like that. There's that doubt that he isn't a vampire and he is. Yes. Um, but then when he turns at the end and he gives his speech, oh, he's so good. It's, the whole you, you know, know your boys and my boys. Yeah. The Bra- uh, was it was it um, blood sucking Brady Bunch? Yeah. One of the, is it Edgar that says yeah. something like the blood sucking Brady That's Bunch? It. You think yeah, Great, he's... the blood sucking Brady Bunch. Yeah. And just the way he like holds Kiefer Sutherland's head when he sees him dead. Oh God, yeah. And yeah. It's, like, it's a beautiful little bit of acting. Yeah. It's the kind of, kind of it's not flashy, so nobody really no. sort of flag it up. But no. 
it's it's that and especially the scene where because Diane well Lucy uh, Diane Vice doesn't quite know how the hell to get out of this so the only way she thinks she can get out of it is because he Max holds his hand out to take her to sort of say you know to sort of beckon her in to to basically bite her to to suck her blood and he he does he, he and they're going no 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 and she just what what the hell am I going to do you know you've got my family now so he puts a hand out and she puts a hand in his and he pulls her and you just think oh no don't do it it's like oh such such a good scene I'm sorry, Lucy. This is all my fault. David and my boys misbehaved. I told you, boys need a mother. Max, what are you talking about? I knew it. You're the head vampire. Sam, don't start this again. You're the secret that David was protecting. Hmm. Who's this? Well, you passed the test. Don't ever invite a vampire into your house, you silly boy. It renders you powerless. Did you know that? Of course. Everyone knows that. Has everyone gone crazy here? What's the matter with all of you? It was you I was after all along, Lucy. What? I knew that if I could get Sam and Michael into the family, there's no way you could say no. Where's Michael? It was all going to be so perfect, Lucy. Just like one big happy family. Your boys. And my boys. Great. The blood-sucking Brady Bunch. But I still want you, Lucy. <laughs> I haven't changed my mind about that. I didn't invite you this time, Max. It is. He's just that right level between Hammy and... Yes. You know, it's, it's that perfect hammy. It's perfectly in tone with the film. Yeah. It's, again, you don't know whether it's a comedy performance or a horror performance. It just sits nicely in either camp. Yeah, it's kind of... And what I like as well, they didn't go overboard on the on the makeup, you know, when they did the, the vampire makeup. Yeah. It was, I mean, I suppose when you think back in those days, it probably was a hell of a lot of work to do something like that, but it's not overdone, I don't think. It's not, you know... No, really I kind of monstrous. get the feeling that the Buffy TV series took a lot from this. Got you. It's, I don't know how much Buffy you ever watched. I've but... never watched a single Buffy, unfortunately. I'd Buffy like to. Buffy is very much like nineties. I mean, they do a bit more with the forehead in Buffy, right? But right. For the most part, it is. It's not a huge facial. Yeah, change. yeah, yeah. It's just a bit on the eyebrows and a bit on yeah. the cheeks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think Buffy owes a lot to this, mm. whether they'll admit it or not. But it's a. I do like that she gets a job at the video shop and then starts dating the boss straight away. It's, it's <laughs> anybody it's... else in that video shop's gonna be like, "What the fuck's this?" Bitch? Yeah. It's it's so it's so quick, isn't it? It's the so fact that when she it wouldn't fly now, you'd be straight on. You know that'd be a HR nightmare. Oh, totally. And it's because it, because she goes in, doesn't she? And he said, I can't remember this the sort of exchange between them, and she it's, says, No, you not have a really. generous soul or something like that. Isn't yeah, it? and she says no, and he goes, You need a job, and she went, Is it? Is it do I look that needy? I need a job, and then before you know it, she's working there, and before you know it, she's on a date with him. <laughs> I like how he offers her the lollipop. She's like, no. And he's like, oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I love the um, the fact that the date is, is it the first date? Yeah, the first date's ruined because that's when Michael is Finds having bloodlust. Yeah. And he kind of, he starts, he floats up off his bed and finds himself on the ceiling and ends up having to crawl. That's great. I love how it's, he sort of like can't stop himself floating out of his brilliant. window. It's brilliant. Brilliant, and he kind of. And what the bit I like is he, he he goes out the window and he finds makes his way over to Sam's room, 
but he's also got the phone as well. The phone's come out with him. And then he rings his mum. Or no, does she ring to oh she rings to see if everything's okay? And he's going, Don't don't listen to her, don't listen to her. And she's going, ah Yeah, because she, she just, can hear him screaming because he doesn't know what's going that, that's on. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And then she can can she's on the phone because when you think about, you know, there's no mobiles and stuff, wasn't she? She's on the phone in the restaurant, wasn't she? And then she goes, Tell him I'm coming, tell him I'm coming. And she just disappears and runs across the I car love park. How Max and watches a watching her run. <laughs> He's got to be like, what the fuck did I say? Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. And then she gets home and it's like, oh, I, I just got spooked by reading the comic. And, he, and he should, you know, she, they completely ruined her night by him getting spooked by a comic and everything's, everything's just fine because Michael persuades Sam to sort of be on his side and we can't say anything about this. You need to help me out of this, you know, even it's, though he's got that bloodlust. It's like a weird riff on the Pet cemetery bit, isn't it, where the kid sees his brother floating outside the window. Yeah, but... yeah. And I think it doesn't... Um, doesn't it happen in uh, Salem's Lot as well? Isn't there something? Oh, with... Salem's Lot. That's what I mean. Yeah, not yeah. Pet Cemetery. I mean, it's been a long time since I've, I've seen got Salem's King's Lot. Mixed up. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Lot. yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm quite funny about things outside windows at night. Yeah. Ooh, that's why I, I'm a big believer in shutting curtains. You know, when you you know you go past people, and this is just because I'm nosy. You go past people's houses and they've got the curtains wide open yeah. and all the lights on. I'm thinking, well, first of all, everyone can see what you've got. I might be eyeing up your TV, you know, that kind of thing. But anything, the thought of anything coming to a window at night, ooh, I don't like the idea of standing by a window. I'm a bit funny like that. Ooh. No, yeah. no, I, I'm with you. It's uh, it's weird. I do love when he brings the Frog Brothers to find out what to do and you've got that couple oh. asleep in the background in the comic shop sort of lent up against each other. You see, that to me, and I don't know whether I'm right in saying this, I think that's the parents. Yeah. And they run the shop for the parents because they're just stoned hippies, aren't they? And they're yeah, there constantly I, asleep. I, I can't work out how old the Frog Brothers are meant to be again. No, I... When you first watch it, you're like, well, they can't be young because they own a comic shop. And then, yeah, like you say, you sort of yeah. realise that they're usually in the background, but they're really prominent in that scene to say they're asleep next to each other. Yes. Just yeah. in and the I think, comic shop. Because at first, I think I thought they were they were some kind of... Um, they weren't real, they were dummies. And then you see them shift a little yeah. bit. Because I think Edgar earlier on says, you just think we run a comic shop for our folks. But we're more than that. You know, they're vampire slayers, aren't they? they? They kind of admit to being, you know, I don't think they say they're vampire slayers as such, but they certainly say they're, you know, um, well, what does he say? He uses, doesn't he use a, um, a thing from Superman about being... Oh, um, truth, justice in the American way. That's it, yeah. So he uses that and I think, yeah, yeah, I, I like that little touch. That's, that's good. <laughs> It sort of plays as well with the parents being asleep in the background. That again, they're they're night people. Yes. You know, so they sleep yeah. in the day and they sort of a bit more active because they're moving around in the comic shop at night yeah. when you see them in the background. Yeah, yeah. But I just yeah. like the idea that they never leave that shop. They just I know. sleep there, and then when they wake up, they're ready for work, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. But and it's the just kids... such a nice little background touch. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, and they just let the kids run the shop for them. You know, and it's a huge comic shop, isn't it? It's like yeah. That's an amazing comic. Amazing, absolutely right. I do kind yeah. of miss because we used to take holidays down at like seaside places, right. but you'd find like comic shops, well, not comic shops, but just shops with a bit of string with comics pegged. I think Damien's talked about it yeah. in the past as well, but they used to peg them up. Absolutely, yeah. But you used get to that... really see it at the seaside. <laughs> seaside, yeah, because I grew, obviously I grew up um, by the seaside, so in the seaside, whatever, you, however you phrase it. Um, so that's why I've got a bit of an affinity with the sea. I love films yeah. with the sea, and, and I like visiting the seaside and stuff. So I hate so, the yeah. beach, love the seaside. Yeah, it's not. I've got no time like, for sand. Yeah, Damon doesn't like sand. He, he hates it. Which I did. I only found this out when we went on a holiday to. Um, oh God, it was a fair few years ago now. It was a three-stop holiday, and one of the stops was in Sandusky in Ohio. Um, and that's got a man-made because we wanted to go to Six Flags, 
and it's got a man-made beach there and it's wonderful. And I went, oh my God. So we went out early one morning and off I went to the beach and he's like, he's slowly, I went, what's the matter? I don't like sand in my shoes. It's like, and I'm, I'm doing like sand angels. Oh, I loved it. It's great. See, I like swimming in the sea. It's just, yeah. I don't like the sand bit. It's like, mm. it's like whenever I watch a film where it's like, you know, this nice romantic thing of the from here from eternity moment where people are fucking on a beach. I'm like, you're just going to get sand in places that you're you not going to, yeah. that's not going to be comfortable no, sex at all. That's going to be an organ grinder in it. You don't that's want, it. you don't want to get sand in places like that. Oh, that's, oh, that's no. a trip to me and Eli. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I love the whole seaside thing. I love the seafront. I guess comic shops at the seaside, I guess because they used to use them to package things that came in on the ships, didn't they? So I guess yeah. it just ended up in seaside shops. Yeah, and it kind of, I suppose it sits well with the whole um, saucy seaside postcards as yeah. well, doesn't it? All in the same place, you know, um, on racks. I, I miss things. stuff like that. Now all they seem to have is tat. <laughs> I mean, they had tat anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, it was a different kind of tat, wasn't it? It yeah. was kind of, yeah... No, now it's, now it's um, overpriced tat. That's the thing. It was cheap tat in those days, so you could afford a little bit of tat. It was. It was designed to last the week you're on holiday exactly. and then you didn't have to take it home with yeah. you kind of thing. Although but. that said, I've still got some tat that I got in Blackpool many, many moons ago. And it's still going strong. And I found I found a lot of stuff. Uh, I was having a big clear out. And I went, oh, my God, I got this in Blackpool. And it's still go. There was some stuff I got in Blackpool that, like you say, lasted the weekend and that was yeah. it. But I've still got some some bits of stuff. And I, oh, yeah, I got this in Blackpool. Bloody hell. <laughs> a long, long time ago. It's like, I'd be giving me age away if I told you how long. <laughs> I've got little things like that, like little gold glittery rocks with googly eyes on them and some legs. It's like, totally. I, I bought totally. that at a seaside shop. Yeah, yeah. With just a sign at the back saying Blackpool, but ha- badly handwritten, you know. <laughs> Not even in calligraphy, you know. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, like I say, that whole holiday nostalgia thing. Yeah. <laughs> just from watching this film. And oh, just, totally. Uh, video shops nostalgia as well, because I yeah. need video shops. That's the thing. It's it's it ticks all the boxes, doesn't it? Because if you think about at the time when it came out, it wouldn't have been nostalgic because no. it was at the time it came out. No, it would have been so, hip and cool. <laughs> hip and cool, absolutely. But when you watch it now, it's got that. Um, even though it's a vampire film, it's got that little bit of innocence about it because yeah. there was no mobile phones. Um, there wasn't any, well, there, there is a sex scene, a slow-mo sex scene, but there wasn't nothing sort of gratuitous and there wasn't anything, you know, um, unnecessary in there. No, it, it cuts away, anything. doesn't it? It cuts away yeah. to the vampires flying back. Exactly. So you, 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 I suppose you needed that in to show the relationship between Star and, and Michael. They, they, yeah, because really... until the end, you're not sure why Keith Sutherland wants him in the gang. Mm. Because like, he's clearly going after your girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, yes. you assume girlfriend. You don't actually yeah. know what the relationship is. But Yeah, of, of course, because you do think, and it's only later, well, you do think that they're an item, don't you? But then it's only later that you find out. Um, I'm going to obviously give something away now, but it's only later you find out that Michael was supposed to be Star's first kill. Yeah. And that would have made her a full vampire. But she fell in love with him, even though he doesn't quite believe that. But she fell in love with him. And, and it's kind of, I like that. That half vampire falling in love with somebody who isn't quite a half vampire, but then turns into a half vampire. So yeah. it's, it's that kind of. So I I like that, and it's that. Um, I've gone off on a on a tangent now, but I was talking. Oh yeah, so it's that kind of thing where there's no mobile phones, there's nothing you know overly saucy in it, should we say? So when you look at it now, it's very um, nostalgic, isn't it? You know the whole the, the <laughs> comic shops because you can't you can hardly get comic shops these days. Not such big ones like that. You know the seaside, the fairground. I mean, I don't know having not lived on the, in the seaside for such a long time now. I don't know how popular fairgrounds are anymore. But no, I'm I know not when sure. I lived. Yeah, I mean, when I, I mean, it's the, where I grew up. The fairground has actually moved now. I think 
Um, but that was on the... We didn't have a, a pier or a boardwalk or anything, but it was on the seafront. Yeah. So you could basically come off the beach straight onto the fairground. So there's something I like. And again, that whole swooping thing with the helicopter that goes over the boardwalk and you see the Big Dipper and you see the carousels and things. And you see them at night. I, I do find... I think I've, I said this right at the beginning, that fairgrounds, lit up fairgrounds at night, give me the creeps of something quite spooky about them. Yeah, it's... They're like weirdly wholesome, but incredibly yeah. creepy at the same time. There's, there's, I don't, I don't, I can't quite put my finger on it because I know the last time we were down in London, um, we had a weekend in London, and I'm talking probably like 2018 now. There was a little um, carousel on the um, on the uh, on the bank near the um, the name of the place that I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. But there was this lovely carousel, and it was there in the daytime. But we'd go at night for a meal. And it was turning around, all lit up, and the, and it had this music playing, and it was really quite macabre. There's something There's about something it. creepy about the music. In there. I think it's because sort of, you know, like you know, any kind of, even like down to Batman Returns, is like kids go missing at the carnival. Yes, uh, that's probably know, what it is. Yeah, murderers run off and join the circus or the carnival kind of thing. Yeah, um, all that sort of stuff. And like I say, they're just inherently creepy anyway, especially yeah. when they're done. They're very easy to creep, make look creepier than they actually are. Very much Something so. Something like a Tim Burton type aesthetic. That, I mean, yeah. it's, it's Bo Welch as well who did this, who did like a load of the Tim Burton stuff and Men in Black and all that. Yeah. Um, I think this is like our third Bo Welch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's got that yeah. sort of just creepy side of innocence to it. Yeah. And originally, I think... this was meant to be a kid's film because Joel Schumacher yes. didn't want to do it. It was meant to be that's... like the Goonies again. That's right. It was meant to be like the Goonies. And he was like, why don't we make them teenagers? Why don't we put a soundtrack on it? Yeah. It's really good decision. Yes. But yeah, I, think... I, I think it would have been lost. Yeah. Yeah. But I think just briefly going back to the, the fairground thing, I think the thing with fairgrounds is as a kid, you don't appreciate it. But as an adult, you realise that a fairground at night is a breeding ground for all yeah. kinds of sinister people that could go to a fairground. You know, you think about the kind of people. Yeah, because the most innocent go. thing people say to you when you say you're going to the fair is, "Hold on to your wallet." Uh, yeah, hold on to your wallet. <laughs> Don't talk to any strangers. Do not go off with anybody because it is. And and I think I've probably watched too many horror films and I've watched too many um, documentaries about you know um, predators. That it's just you know, so that, easy to get lost there. Of course, it? it is, and so easy to get snatched. And it's yeah. uh, some of the stories that some of the documentaries I've watched. I just think, oh, good god. That's bloody horrible. You know, you if you went to a fairground at night with a kid, you would I would not let go of his hand. It no. wouldn't. I would, it wouldn't be out of my sight. I'm afraid. No. <laughs> we went to one in Cheltenham when we were kids with my mum and my stepdad at the mm. time, and we went on the ghost train. And the guy on the ghost train, like as it's coming to the end, a guy just bursts out and like goes, Wah! and that's your final scare. My stepbrother, the thing didn't even stop. He was off, and my stepdad had to chase him down. He was running across the field. He was oh, terrified. God. Oh. And that, I think that's a huge part of what cemented in me that, like, no, yeah, no, fairgrounds are wrong. Yeah. Even yeah, Disney the... at night, it's like, oh, there's something, oh, yeah. there's something nice about it, but at the same time, you're like, this is also kind of creepy. Yeah, there's, there's something, again, probably because when we went to Six Flags in Sandusky, um, we went to a, a horror thing because we were around sort of September, October time we went. And um, we went to a horror thing at night there, and it was, oh, it was bloody horrible. As in, like it was really, really frightening. And you know, I, I'm I'm a very I'm a rationalist, so I, I don't believe in any of that stuff. But I do yeah. like being frightened in a controlled oh, environment. I love, I love creeping myself out. Yeah, I love it. I loved it. And it was it was it, they, they warned you it was bloody frightening. You know, I've, I've been to the one at um, all the towers as well many years ago, but this was particularly frightening because little did I know. Um, 
well, there was people dressed as clowns, and Damien hates clowns, yeah. so that wasn't pleasant. I'm, I can take all. I'm, I'm, I'm similar with mimes. Clowns don't bother me so much. Mimes freak me out. Yeah, there's something quite. Well, this this guy, the clown mask on, and a, a little did I know that the because we used to go on holiday with a, with a couple of friends of ours. Little did I know that one of my friends had told this guy my name. So this guy's coming along and he's all like, you know, knotted up and 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 he went. He called me a, t- um, a twisted sister and he and he started and he went. Uh, said something to me. He said, "What's the matter with you, Helena?" And I went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> the fact that he knew my name. No, it's like, no, no. It's like shit. Get away from me, you bastard! But I loved it. I love that thing of being frightened in a controlled environment. It's you know because I know I'm going to be okay. It's fine. I'm going to come out the other end. Nothing's going to have hurt me. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like horror films, and I'm not. Oh, a, totally. I'm not big for being. I like being creeped out. I don't like being scared. I like that sort of uh, kind of yeah, feeling yeah. rather than. Oh yeah. The, constantly petrified that something's about fright. to jump out at me yeah yeah which is why i fright. tend to jump in the weirdest films yeah <laughs> i think it was yeah. the bone collector there was nothing scary in it but a door got kicked open i just went Whoa! but when you're not expecting it it's uh it, it can take you by surprise can't it i mean one other 80s throwback i did spot in this was the giant wristwatch wall clock oh whatever happened to yes. those god yeah i think i remember wanting one of them yeah, I did um, as well, but yeah. it's so expensive. So expensive. So that They're probably that was... like 20 quid, but in like the 80s and 90s... That and that was, was like... a lot of money. That was equivalent to probably about a bloody 100 quid now, I think. But That was like buying yeah, Batman like... on video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I suppose we should sort of talk about the, the last bit of this film, which for me is wonderful. The wonderful kind of... And we I won't talk about the whole fight scene because we've already talked about that, where they, they, get, the, they get the vampires into the house... They fill up a bath full of garlic and and uh, holy water, yeah. and they fill up um, uh, water pistols. And, I love and that they, bit where they go into the church and the Christmas. Oh, they, they fill up the bottles. Yeah. Holy water. It's just fantastic. So they they do all that. They get rid of Grandpa because he says he's got you know uh, Widow Johnson's been on the phone. He's got to go and service her. Whatever it is. You, have you got to be there at seven or eight? Like, I've got yeah. a date tonight. Yeah. <laughs> get ready. Get ready. You know. So off he goes to the house themselves. They 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 get the vampires over. And the whole fight scene ensues, which which is brilliant. And um, he, Sam, yes, yeah, Sam shoots a bow and arrow and kills one of them against the stereo. And he says, "Death by stereo." And yeah. the excess starts playing. And you know, and oh, and they they kill one of them because Nanook uh, jumps on one of them and he falls. Yeah, he into knocks the bath. him into the bath. But the, that bit, yeah, because that's the second the film in 1987 where you get a melty man after melty. Robocop. Because they have to go out and rescue Nanook because they leave him tied up. Like... Oh my god, is that poor Because I always yeah. forget that they go out and risk him. I'm like, you yeah. absolute dicks. Yeah, and of course you can see things swooping as yeah. they're running in with that with that dog, but the dog obviously saves they, them. They've by... obviously they've they've killed Bill S. Preston Esquire from Bill and Ted. They killed yes, him in the lane. Because he skipped under the lane. Yeah, and he, oh sorry, I did, didn't I? In his No, um, no it's fine. I... In that sort of bat cave, as it were. But um they have the, the fantastic fight scene, they kill somebody in the bath, um, then basically blood shoots out of everything in the house out of, out of their everything. taps and it's like and all i'm thinking as as an adult thinking god that's gonna take some cleaning up isn't it that, that's, that, I, that's how old i am it's i like, just have to move oh it's like it's, it's not, i could never it's drink not, from water from one of those taps again you can't, oh, oh, god, oh, no. No. oh or get in that bath <laughs> so so that is that is superb and then, and then one of them takes um sam up and he shoots him in the face and he drops him you know and then the that, that bit where michael has to draw on his um, vampire powers to basically kill David by by impaling him on. I love that bit. Never as the uh, you know with the uh, face it, Michael. My blood's in you, and he's like, so is mine. So yeah, it's oh, like it's such I... a shit line, but he delivers it so yeah. well. Like, 
absolutely brilliant. And that, that that's him dead. And then Max turns up with with Lucy, and of course Max comes in. And at this point, there is oh, there is the inference that Max is the head vampire because he, he only works in the, the video shop at night. They never see him in the day, and he's got Thorn, which is the hell dog, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then you just think, what the hell's going to happen here? And I know we've touched on this where Max turns. He's the, he's the vampire. He beckons Lucy in by, you know, he wants the this one big happy family to turn them all into vampires. He beckons Lucy in. He goes to bite her neck. And then you hear Grandpa's horn on his car. Is it La Cucaracha? He's like, and you just think, Grandpa's here. And of course, what you do see earlier on in the film is Grandpa putting fence posts into the ground that he's whittled, shall we say, and turned into like spiky posts. So there's a little touch there to give you a bit of a sort of idea. And in this truck, he's got these fence posts that have been whittled to a point, sort of put on the front of his his um, truck. And he basically drives his truck into the house and these, he slams on the brakes and this fence post, fence post comes shooting out. And one of them, I can't remember who it is, kind of shoves Max in the way. It might be Michael, actually. Shoves Max in the way and this fence post basically goes straight through Max and impales him into the fireplace. Yeah. And it's brilliant because then all this kind of smoke and and dust and coal dust and stuff comes flying out. And and then the minute he dies, Michael and Star and Laddie just become normal again because they've killed the head vampire. They, they are no longer half vampires because Laddie comes rushing down the, the stairs and he's going, Star, Star, because he's a normal kid again. And yeah. it's After brilliant. the attack of Eddie Munster. Oh, the attack <laughs> the of Eddie Munster. Line. Yeah, because he, cha- he jumps out, doesn't he? And he's like, oh my God. And he's, he doesn't, because he doesn't go for them, does he? He kind of, he panics, I think, the kid. That he's he, what the hell's going on with him, and he just hides in a corner because yeah. he's turned into this, this vampire. But I think my, my favorite sort of well, my, it's got to be it's got to be my favorite scene and my favorite line of the of the film at the end. And what I like about it is it's very it's the the sort of the cinematography the the photography in it is, is wonderful because at the end, Grandpa comes in, he he kills him, he gets out of his truck, everyone's covered in like coal dust and they're all a bit of a mess, and he goes to the fridge. And he opens the fridge and the light of the fridge lights up Lucy, Michael and Sam, just the three sort of protagonists in the film, lights them up and they're a mess. And he goes into the fridge, gets himself, is it a root beer? I'm not it's sure what he's drinking, beer, yeah. gets out a root beer. And it's fantastic because then he turns around and he says, one thing about living in Santa Carla, I never could stomach all the damn vampires. And he shuts the fridge door and you see the three of them slowly go into silhouette as the door closes and the light goes off. I think that is absolutely wonderful. What a wonderful way to end the film. It's fantastic. The light and then the slow close of the the fridge door. It's marvellous. It is. And just the sort of look on the face, like, Dad, Dad, (laughs) kind of thing. Just wonderful. Because sort of the big question to end on is, is Grandpa a vampire? Mm, You see... I don't, I, yeah, that's a good. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because uh, I don't know. He did go out. Yeah, he did go out in the day. If you if we were going to go down go down the law path, but then yeah. again, he could have been half vampire, couldn't he? So, well, there is because we'll go into sequels in a minute. But there is a sequel comic that was set between this film mm. and I think the first sequel, in which it's revealed that he is half vampire and he was turned by the widow Johnson. Oh. Oh, interesting. Su- he survived by drinking the blood of the animals that he then taxidermied. Oh, I like it. That was the thing with that, which I like. Mm. At the same time, I like the ambiguity of 
of not knowing. Of not knowing. Again, it's that whole, we're going back again, aren't we, to that thing of you don't need to see things. You don't necessarily need to know things. Is it better just, it's, it's like when people do sequel after sequel after sequel. Is it really necessary? Just leave it as it is. Or when, when things have to be explained, you know, it's, in a film. It's when like the you know, Blade Runner thing. It's like, is Deckard a replicant? Who gives the fuck? <laughs> It's it's this it's this necessity that people need to know every little nuance of something, every every little detail. You don't need to know it. I I like the idea of people. It's a bit like art when you when you look at a painting. Make up your own mind what yeah. you think of it. I mean, what, what what you think it's telling you. Don't tell. Don't let somebody else go. Well, it's actually telling you this. Okay, that might be the reason behind it somewhere along the way. But let it drink is, it in. Is and that decide. is that thing that gives you something to talk about after the film totally. and then build fan fiction on. Mm. I mean, we're kind of spoiled for fan fiction now with the internet because mm. people will just go online and be like, no, you completely read that wrong. It's clear that, you know, he was definitely mm. a vampire. It's like, well, no, because it's ambiguous ambiguous enough that yeah. it's... But now you just have a load of people and you say, no, you're a thick dickhead, you didn't understand the film. Kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, you can't have that sort of... Mm. It's what... I mean, I've mentioned it before on other things, but like the Rob Zombie Halloween, I didn't need to know about Michael Myers pre-killing his sister. Did not give a fuck. Mm. Didn't need it. He's yeah. like, the best thing about Michael Myers is that I know fuck all about him other than that he killed his sister when he was a small boy. Exactly. That's, exactly. That's creepy enough that I need to know and yeah. that, you know, he was dead behind the eyes until he yeah. started going out and butchering people again. Totally. So, some characters in films don't need to be rounded out. They, you don't need to know everything about them. You just know that they're bad buggers, whatever they're doing in the film, if they're murderers excuse me, whatever they may be, serial killers, whatever, you don't need to know why they've become the way they've become. No. You it, can it, works find sometimes. it worked quite nicely with Freddy mm. where they built it up over time. Mm. And then I thought they were going to do something really interesting in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake where it was implied that the kids had made it up and that Freddy wasn't a child molester, but then yeah. they bottled that. And I was yeah. like, that would have been such an interesting take on mm. the character Yeah, yeah. that he was this innocent guy and that's why he's butchering the kids. Mm. You know, as they're now slightly older kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Just, yeah, I just miss the days where mm. it, it wasn't spoon-fed for you. Yeah, yeah. You could, it's... you could, you know, if you were happy, it's what I quite like about Inception. It's like you either believe that the spinning top falls over at the end or you believe it keeps spinning and he's still in a dream kind of thing. Spoilers for Inception. Yeah. Uh, no, no, you're right. It's I think there's, there's too much. There's so much now where any interview afterwards, it's like, so at the end of the film, what was it definitively? Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's and... never definitively said, he's like, you will notice it starts to wobble. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> and yeah. like, I know. But I, I do like the idea of just making up your own mind about things. It's, and it, I suppose we're going back to that whole review thing as well. You know, when you look at, you, yeah. you read a film review and you think, well, that's your take on it. I'm going to have my take on it. And, and sometimes we, we'll do this, we'll watch a film. And at the end of it, we'll, we'll say to each other, so what do you, what do you think it meant? You know, and we'll, we'll probably have, me and Damien will have completely different takes yeah. on it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Neither of us are right, neither of us are wrong. We'll have a different take and we'll say, well, I think it's this, this and this. And I'll look at it from a sort of psychological point of view. And then, you know, it, it's just, I think, I don't know, there's, there's too much of this, you should read it like this. You should see it like that. Yeah. You should. I don't like that being told how you should, um, how what a film is supposed to say to you. Let it say to you what you want it to say to you, I think. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, how you read a film will change over time. I, again, of course it will. Yeah, with I, age I'm, and experience. Yeah. I repeat myself when I watched Footloose as a kid, I was very much on the side of the kids. When I watch it as an adult, I'm like, no, I can really see where the grown ups are coming from as well, though. Yeah. It's like, because you do just want your kids to be safe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, absolutely right. Yeah. It's just like it changes with age. But I, I mean, to me, that's the difference between a creative person's mind and a 
non-creative person a non-creative person is like no i need you to tell me everything a creative person is like oh what if it's this and oh that's quite cool can i develop yeah. that into something else and that's absolutely. how you go off and create your own stories absolutely right yeah no i like that i like i like having some ambiguity you need and those I like... threads dangling there yeah, for of course you, you do pick at and yeah. go off and create your own thing whether it's fan fiction in the world or you know yeah. as much as i hate it go off and do a 50 shades of gray it's like it's not twilight fan fiction it's its own thing exactly it's not for me and it's you know yeah, exa- maybe exactly. not the best example but it is an example of somebody taking a thread from fan fiction um, yeah. sort of doing it as fan fiction and making it its own thing yeah totally, it, totally. that's where my brain's gone mm. yeah it's like I, it's like with being a comics fan as well you'd never read the whole mm. story arc through certainly not when we grew up you grabbed comics as and when you saw them yeah, kind of, of course yeah yeah you never had a complete thing so you were constantly filling in gaps and yeah. inevitably when you saw the actual thing it's like why the star wars prequels there's such a problem with that is because you had what 20 odd years of being like oh i think this is what happens and this is what happens and then you see what actually happened you're like oh yeah that's not how i thought it yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's you know i'm not ragging on those films i quite like them and you know they are what they are kind of yeah. thing and same with the disney ones i'm not a massive fan of those and that's not where i would have gone with it but at the same time mm. I've still got where I would have gone with it, and yeah, I like yeah. that. So. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Stuart. No, it's, it's um, it's the problem with unnecessary sequels. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Yeah. But speaking of unnecessary sequels, uh, or maybe not. <laughs> have you seen the two director video sequels? I have. No, I haven't. I, no, I can't bring myself to watch it. I know no. it's. Um, I think Corey Haim was in one of them. Oh, okay. He died between them, so oh, right. Between films, they honoured it with he'd been turned into a vampire, so oh, okay. Edgar Frog had had to kill him. Because I think there's a thing ah. where they put Batman 14 on his grave. So I think it's of course he mentions that, doesn't it? Yeah. Respect. That's why I made the password to get into this Batman 14. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, what's a what's a niche little reference? I <laughs> Very Batman, good, but... of course. Yeah, I realise now. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a. I just it, this film didn't need a sequel. I was I was happy where it was. I didn't know there was sequels. I've got to be honest with you. I didn't until, until I, started I was working doing in HMD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, and maybe that's a good thing because I'm not. I'm trying. I'm, I can't think right at this moment where there has there have been there have been sequels to films that I've watched that I thought actually that was quite good. Yeah. I'll give that a pass. That was good. Other times I've watched sequels and I've thought that was really unnecessary. That was awful. What were you doing? You know, so I think because this is for, for me, my personal opinion isn't and this is only my opinion. I think The Lost Boys is a standalone film. and It doesn't need anything around it. I think no. it's just lovely as it is. It's a nice. Um, obviously, not at the time it wasn't, but it's nice now. A nice nostalgic film ticks all the boxes. It's not too, it's not gory. Well, I don't well, it's not, well, there is a bit of gore. Sorry, it's not as gory it's as very... this could be comic book gore kind of it thing is. for want of a better term yeah you're right there's no kind of like innards yeah, flying out and stuff like that it's which, not like saw you know. gore or... yeah exactly so because <laughs> i've got I, i'm not a big gore guy i like creepy scary films like that. i'm not a yeah. big gore guy but but again it's that going back to that thing of it things don't have to be gory there can just be an inference of it you don't need to yeah. see it do you know what i mean it's kind of because then it kind of then you're going down the path of lots of and you think what's the word i'm looking it's it's a bit sometimes it's a bit unnecessary you think did yeah. you did you really need to show don't get me wrong i'm not squeamish or anything um but you think did you really need to show that because yeah, that's not part of the like, story you've mm. just put that in for the sake of giving people something to talk about online yeah. for the show yeah just... it's it's what they can get people like you said it's, get your teeth into kind yeah. of thing i think oh a nice bit of... and sometimes 
I can't think of a film where the, off the top of my head now, but sometimes they'll put the gore in because the story of the film itself isn't all that good. So we'll throw a bit of gore in there <laughs> and it might distract from the fact that actually the acting's a bit shit. You've, you've or, only got to look at the progression of the Saw films for that. It's like the first oh, Saw film isn't as gory God. as you remember it being. But then after that, it's like just yeah. torture porn, torture porn, torture porn. Yeah. It's like, nah. And what are we on now? Like Saw 25 or something? There's just no yeah, need for it. And, and again, I'm, I, I'm not having good. a downer on the Saw films because I did watch the first one. I might have watched the second one as well. But again, completely unnecessary to have so many damn sequels. Yeah, I think I've seen bits of all of them. It's that weird thing, wasn't it, where you had to have one every Halloween for a while, saying... Ah, uh, yeah. But, it, I yeah, I mean, I know Joel Schumacher always said if they did a sequel, he'd want it to be Lost Girls. Ah, fair enough, yeah. He'd be like, that'd be the only way you could sort of do it. It's like, you know, they're either a biker gang of girls or just a gang mm. of girls. Mm. Which is potentially the only way you could go if you went the remake route. I hope they don't remake it. I don't think it'd hold up as a... It's not a film that would service being remade. Not just because... I'm not saying it's a classic that shouldn't be touched, but just... Yeah. It's so much of its time. It, of its time. Again, this film's right. so 80s, yeah. it hurts. I don't see how you could update it and it no. would work. No, because with things... I mean, I suppose... If you think about it, it can, it can, well, no, can it? It's when you modernize something, it's difficult because you've got to factor in things like mobile phones. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of thing. And that's what I like about this that it's not that they, you, I mean, you can make a film now, but, but make it um, in a particular genre. You can say that you can date it, can't you? You can say it's yeah. back in this film. Did it all for me, and and then having Kiefer Sutherland as the as the yeah. main character, and and at the, at the time it was quite strange because I didn't really think, um, I didn't really, uh, how can I put it? I was young, I was a young girl, so I didn't really think all that much about Jason Patrick. I liked Kiefer Sutherland because he was the bad boy. But when you when I look back at it, you think actually Jason Patrick was was a you know a, a good looking guy. But I also found out as well fairly recently before I was going to do this podcast that Jason Patrick's dad was the actor. Um, he's now deceased, who played Damien Carras in The Exorcist. Uh, That's his dad. I had no idea. I think I knew that, and I think I've forgotten mm. it. Like, yeah. I, I, same for me. I think I knew it, but when I read it again, it was like learning something new. <laughs> like yeah. I'd forgotten. It's like, oh, I'd forgotten about that, but oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I think we sort of covered The Lost Boys, unless there's anything else you wanted to add. No, I think just it ticks all the boxes. It's got some of some great like one-liners in there. And for me, it's got a really good beginning with that floating over the, the, the water and a fantastic end with the opening of the fridge, lighting them up like in a spotlight and the close of the fridge till they're silhouetted. That's such a good ending. That's that's just, that does it for me. Absolutely like, brilliant. Like I say, Joel Schumacher does not get his props. You know, regardless, he's done some bad films as well. Mm. But I've, I'd even say that Batman and Robin is quite well directed for what mm. it is. I, I get the feeling that he had little control over Batman and Robin. Yeah. This, but... But, um, and of course, he, he passed away, didn't he, last year? He so did, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, shame. It, it's like I say, it's and he did the he did a really good Phantom of the Opera on. I mean, it's a musical, so I know people's mm. mileage on music, but I've always loved Phantom. Mm. Um, but yeah, his version of that is stunning to look at, if nothing else. Mm. Um, Interesting, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a shame he sort of didn't get the props because he was forever associated with Batman and Robin. Yeah. Because he did so many different kinds of films. Like you say, So Elmer's Fire, this, Falling Down, A Time yes. to Kill, The Client. Yes. Falling Down, great film. It's yeah. like you look at all these films, you're like, you wouldn't know he's very much in the Richard Donner vein to a certain degree where it's like you couldn't pin him down as one kind of director. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's sort of workman like, of... but he's got his own style yeah. to it as well. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. You can see hints of Lost Boys in Batman Forever, but it's just it's neo lighting instead mm. of 
Um, but yeah, I would say it's such a shame. But if you want to see how good a director he is, this is the film to watch, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think it's it's possibly the most Joel Schumacher one out of all of his. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and like I say, <laughs> I find I'm saying it a lot recently, but it's another example of a film that's got no small parts. Everybody in it is fantastic. Totally. Oh, yeah. And there's no, I mean, yeah, there's there's some hamminess, I think, in it, but that, I think it lends itself well because at the end of the day, it fits it's, a, the film, it's a fictitious yeah. film. It's, it's got fictitious things in it. So, but I mean, there's a little bit of hamminess in some of the stuff, but the acting, I mean, it's, I, I, I go back to Corey Haim again. His acting is is superb. And yeah. I think, you know, I mean, he was only 38 when he died. And, and it's, it's such a damn shame because he may well have gone on to do other stuff. You know, I mean, I, I obviously I know he, he did a lot of stuff anyway, of... but. A, a sort of renaissance. I yeah. think he, he was one. Uh, Jason Patrick as well. It's strange. Again, he's forever associated with Speed 2, I think, which is unfortunate because right. as much as I enjoy that film for the bag of shit that it is, <laughs> um, he's fine in it. And, you know, you read anything with him, it's like we were sold on this kind of movie, told it mm. to be this kind of movie. When we got there, they told us it was this kind of movie. And got by you. that point, we couldn't get out of our contract. Yeah, kind of that's, that's the thing. So isn't we it? had yeah. no choice but to try and polish a turd kind of thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but I think to a certain degree, some of it is, you know, he chose, and unless I'm misremembering, he was famous mostly for being with Julia Roberts for a long time, wasn't he? Well, that's the thing is, because I think, because Julia Roberts was with Kiefer Sutherland and she yeah. cancelled their wedding and went off with Jason Patrick. And so... that's what he was famous for for a long time. Mm. And that seemed to overshadow, because he's great think... in this, he's great in Sleepers, he's good in Sleepers yes! too. Yeah. Um, there was something else I saw him in that he's really good. And, you know, he's not. An unattractive man. <laughs> well, he's, he's aged really well because he was yeah. in a film. Um, I'm not sure what the year was, uh, because we caught it, uh, gosh, a few months ago now. I can't bloody remember the name of it, but it's got Anne, oh, alas, it's got Anne Hesh in it. But it's, um, I think it's called something like the, the Vanished or the something like that. I won't spoil it in case you, because anybody ever watches it. But he plays a, um, a sheriff, I think, in that because at the time I was watching it, going, I know his face because he's got a big beard, big yeah. grey beard, and I'm thinking. Who is he? Who is he? And of course, get your phone out because you can look up anybody very quickly now. Got the phone. I went, bloody hell, it's Jason Patrick. I didn't know he was still, you know, do. I mean, it wasn't a big part he was playing. It was a gr- it's a really good film. Yeah. I can't remember. The- I can't remember who plays Anne Hesh's husband, but it's about their missing child. Their child goes missing. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's because I, I, yeah, I, w- I won't say anything. I nearly said something. Yeah. I won't say anything. But it's a brilliant film, and I think it- I think it's called The Vanished. Or, but yeah. if you look for it, it's got Anne Hesh in it. It's absolutely brilliant. She's really good in it. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I've, I've gone off on a tangent again. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, even to a certain degree, Keith Sutherland, until 24, he sort of he was hot and then mm. that dropped off. Mm. Again, I think he had a period where he was mostly famous for being dumped by Julia yeah. Roberts for Jason yeah. Patrick. But he was, yeah, you're right. You had that sort of, he was like, because he, he was in, was he in Sleepers as well? Sleepers? That... I don't think he was. Oh. Kevin Bacon. Kevin, oh, I'm, I'm getting him confused. Yeah, sorry. Jason but... Patrick. Although Kevin Bacon wasn't one of the four main kids. Mm. I can't remember who played the four main kids. Brad Pitt was one of them. Jason Patrick. Oh, sorry. I know what I'm getting confused with. Flatliners. Yes. That's what I'm getting confused with. Sorry. I've got my, uh, my words mixed up. Yeah. I, I think he, uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in, was in that. Yeah, because I, I was thinking, was Jason Patrick and Flatliners? Oh, no, that was Kiefer yeah. Sutherland. Yeah, get, getting all confused <laughs> now. So, yeah, because, yeah, you're right. He had a, a spate of sort of films and he disappeared. Then he came back into 24. And he's doing, or oh, he did something fairly recently, but I've not. Designated I've, Survivor was his last big that, series on Netflix, that, wasn't it? That's it. That's it. Yeah. And he, as as he's getting older, he's morphing into his dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's looking more and more like his dad. 
Yeah, because I was like, they should have remade Mash with him at some point. But because <laughs> 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 uh... it's again, it's weird. They've been in films together, but not together kind of thing. Mm. They've been in the same films, it's like they're yeah. both in a time to kill. But <laughs> I think Gosh. Keith Sutherland carved out a nice, nice niche of playing creepy assholes as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. I, that seemed to be the thing with 80s stars, didn't it? Even like Rob Lowe and that, they burned brightly and then were cast aside quite quickly come the 90s. Yeah. Now, on Wednesdays, when the mailman brings a TV guide, sometimes the address label is curled up just a little like that. Now, you'll be tempted to tear it off. Don't. You'll only wind up ripping the cover, and I don't like that. And stay out of here. Wait, wait. You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. You don't need a TV. Well, I like to sort of end these episodes with first-time guests with the Bernard Pivo questions that were made famous by Inside the Actor Studio. Okay, okay. If, if you're fine to answer these ten... Of course I can. I say they're quick-fire questions, but they tend to lead off on tangents as well. Quite so. possibly, yeah. Well, you know I mean? I like to talk, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's good for a podcast, though. Absolutely. A silent podcast doesn't tend to go over oh, very well. It doesn't go very well, does it? Especially when you're trying to winkle answers out of people. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, there's some <laughs> I've listened to and I'm like, I wish this was silent. <laughs> no. <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about Omen to that. No, I'm joking. Oh, yes. <laughs> Please leave that in, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get an angry message out. <laughs> no, no, you'll, you'll laugh. That's all right. I'm recording his next episode before this one goes out. So never ah, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Uh, question one. What is your favourite word? So I've got two. I've got to confess. My my favourite word probably is something that I use a lot, and that is simply, really? I, it's one of my favourite things because it, it covers everything. So if something like, if I drop something, it's like, really? I'll get a stupid message. Really? Or, you know, something ridiculous happens. It's like, so it's my it's my kind of alternative to swearing. Really? So I say it all the time. So I've got Damien saying it now. Yeah, but as I've far not as, thought about it. It's a wonderfully versatile word, it's, isn't it's it? It's wonderful. So he, 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 even if I'm not in, Damien's not in the room with me, he knows that something's going wrong because I'll go, really? And it depends on what level I'm saying it. If, if I'm really high, really? He knows there's something <laughs> wrong. Or he'll be like, really? So that's probably one of my favourite words. But as far as a, a word... In and of itself, I love the word discombobulated because I, most days, at some point in the day, I will feel discombobulated. Yeah. It's a great, great word. It's a it's a wonderful word because it just sums up. It just sums up my days. Really, sometimes <laughs> like I'm feeling very really. <laughs> so that's, Those two yeah. words go together really. They nicely. do really. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day like Damien tells you something amazing stuff and like you know they want to make pre-waters into a TV series. You're like really? He's really? Like, Shit! Is this good for you or? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I need to be careful with it. Don't I don't turn it into a bad word. It's like it does. It it should really mean what it means. Really, I should say it like that. Really, I have different tones. You, you go really. And he's like, ah, shit. Yeah, Netflix. Keep the millions. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she doesn't like it. <laughs> like, what? No. <laughs> All right then. Uh, question two. What is your least favorite word? Struggled with this. I did struggle with it, and I'm and I'm going to go down a path that we, we probably don't need to sort of, um, uh, what can I, we don't need to go any further with it when I say what the word is, because I couldn't think of anything, but then I thought, yeah, in recent times, this is my least favourite word, and it's cancer. That's yeah. it. 
That's all I need to say is because yep. I've heard it far too much these past few months. Yep. So that's my least favourite word. But other than that, that's it. That's all yep. I'll say on the subject. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that one speaks for itself. Yes, yes. Um, question three, what turns you on either creatively or however you want to interpret the question? So that was an easy one for me. And it, it's two things because they both do the same thing. It's running and drawing. So running helps me, helps get the creative juices flowing for me. So I have great ideas when I'm out running. And I'll, because I don't think of anything. I'm thinking about my feet hitting the floor, going one foot in front of the other. But then I get these ideas and they start to um, formulate in my mind. And that really gets my my um, artistic juices flowing. Yeah. So that really inspires me. And then the drawing side of it is where it gets me into flow. I get completely into flow. Um, it quiet and like running quiets my mind as well. And um, drawing quiets my mind because that's all I'm thinking about is yeah. when I'm running I'm thinking about the, the act of running because a lot of it is not just your feet and your, your legs it's in your head as well it's making yourself so what I do to take away to stop my brain going what the fucking hell are you doing you know your knees are killing you what you're doing to stop my brain doing to stop that, your brain going really yeah really <laughs> <laughs> you're out at six o'clock in the morning really so to stop my brain doing that I then sort of start formulating ideas. And if I'm struggling with a, a page on in a comic, I'm wondering what my next panel might be. I think about it and I take I take kind of um, inspiration from things around me that I'm seeing. And, you know, especially now it's dark when I'm running. So I'm taking inspiration at things I see at night, you know, and the way things are lit up and street lamps and all that. So those are, that's the thing. The two things kind of go hand in hand. Obviously, I wish I could draw and run at the same time. Yeah. That would save me so much time, but alas, I can't. But yeah, th that's that's what gets me that's what turns me on creatively is is you know and spiritually and emotionally yeah. really it's it, they're my two that they, they ground me they quiet my mind and they help me to to sort of get the juices flowing that's yeah yeah no i can fully pretty there's nothing more exciting than getting in and just having to sit straight down and just get yeah. stuck into drawing so, something because it's been totally. churning over in your head yeah i've done that before now which is stupid really. i should just actually just because i take my phone with me so i can track my run i should dictate it into my phone really but i get home and I'm I'm sweating. I'm taking like my jacket off stuff, and I'm getting a piece of paper and writing it down before I forget. <laughs> I got <laughs> like, so many I'm, hastily written notes in my oh phone my where I've been doing yeah. my round, and then part way through, I'm like, "Oh, that's how you fix that." Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, it's it's, and then if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I've I've had I've got a running and I've quite my mind, and it's got me ready for the day. It sets me up for the day. So, you know, it's that's probably why I'm also damn tired. But it's um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's my my thing, my go-to, and especially if I, if I'm feeling a bit kind of bleh. I'll just put on my trainers and go for a run. That and that will, yeah. you know. It's the same with drawing as well, isn't it? Yeah, if it totally. doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It's exactly. getting to that stage where it could be like, all right, it hasn't happened, but I'm not going to screw it up in frustration or delete it in frustration. Totally. Leave it there. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean... Don't, don't labour it, isn't it? Don't labour it. If it's not working, walk away. Go and do something else that gets you into flow. So if I'm, if, run, if running's not working, okay, I'll make the run a bit shorter, come home and, and obviously I'll then start work. But... If the drawing's not working, just leave the drawing and I'll go and lift some weights. You know, yeah. uh, even lifting weight, weightlifting is, is another thing as well, is because I mean, I'm counting my reps, but I'm also thinking I'm, I've got a dumbbell in my hand or, or you know dumbbells or whatever, and I'm thinking, yeah, what can I do with that paddle? And I'm going through the thing, going, yeah, what's going to do on page two? So I'm going through this thing in my head, and it's just I know it's just my way of collecting my thoughts and putting them into some kind of order. I think. Yeah. See, I don't have that with dumbbells. I'm like, why the fuck am I doing <laughs> this? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I do have moments where I have to. Who am I trying to look toned for? I've already <laughs> trapped her into a marriage. <laughs> I do it because I like my food, and now that I'm getting older and and I'm on medication, my my weight's creeping, so I've got to keep it down. The damn thing. Yeah, 
I have that with my mental health is that one of the easy things to do is just binge eat. So yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I exercise to feel better about it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's an exercise. I feel like I've burned good. off that packet of Jaffa cakes. It's not quite the Jaffa cakes. Oh, Jaffa cakes. Oh, God. Right then, uh, what turns you off? This is easy for me. Enforced fun. Enforced fun makes me die inside. So it's things like when, I mean, it's different now because I work completely from home. But when I was in an office environment, it's like, let's have a team building thing tonight. <laughs> let's go. Let's go and break out of a blocked room. No, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's terrible. And if it's if it's your cup of tea, that's absolutely fine. But it's not mine. No. And the thought of it, because I'm, believe it or not, despite the fact that I do like to talk, I'm quite the introvert. I have big, I have introvert traits in me. So it's kind of, I'm not big on crowds. I'm not big on huge socialising. I can talk for a set amount of time. And then when I've reached my time limit, I've, I've had enough. I can, I can walk away from a, a group of people. My youngest son is very much like that. When a conversation ends, he just walks That's off. That's it. That's it. I'm, whether I'm, you're done or not, he's like, I've done yeah, everything I I've, need to I've do. I've done. Yeah. And I'm I'm spent. I'm, I've done this my talking and I'm spent. So, But when people say, you know, let's go and have some enforced fun. It's like, no, I, I don't want to. And, and it's not that I'm being antisocial necessarily. I'd rather just go with a select number of people that I get on with and go and have a pint or yeah. go and have a Coke. You know, it's like, uh, but the, the thought of going to do something that's team building and I'm using air quotes for people who won't see me here, but this whole team building thing and, oh God, it, it, I do, I die inside if people say, nobody suggested it now because I work from home and I work for a company that has no offices anywhere near me. So that's great for me <laughs> because I love my colleagues. They're all fantastic. Don't get me wrong. And I will eventually meet them at some point, I'm sure. But the thought of doing anything that involves hooting and hollering and high-fiving and, yeah. oh, no, no, no. See, any it, of that shit, like training exercises, I mean, yeah, working no. with me. Work Christmas do's, fuck that shit. Yeah. Like, I spend no. enough time with you at work. I don't want to waste my time socialising with you without no offence. Yeah. I love working with you all, but... Yeah. yeah. And when it, I leave and when, that door, you're dead to me. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the thing is, when, when I worked in my last job, um, there were some people that, you know, you go, do you fancy going out for a drink? And you'd be like, yeah. And I'd go, I'd go, who, who's going? Who, who else is going? Because there's some people that, although I worked with them, I did not want to spend any social time with them because they were arseholes. So it was like, no, I, I, I kind of, no, you're okay. I'm, 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 I'm busy. <laughs> it's like, no, no. And it's just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a massive, I'm not a massive social butterfly. I'm not, I'm not, in, you know, I'm not antisocial and I can hold a conversation as you can clearly see, but it's like, no, any kind of enforced fun. You must go out and you must have fun and you must smile and you must be positive. No, I don't want to. It's never fun though, because the conversation starts with small talk to, did you watch that thing oh. on BBC One to, can you believe what they're trying to do to us at work? And then before you know it, you're in a mm. work-related conversation in your own time. You're like, yes. Every you damn can't be sure time, you can bitch about because you know. Yeah, every damn time it's like, oh god, now you're going to moan about the the hierarchy of the, the yeah. structure of the, oh god, no. What no. you do if you're in charge? Like, I don't. Yeah. Oh Jesus, yes, but you're not in charge, so you can't. So shuddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right then, back on the positive. What sound or noise do you love? What sound or noise do I love? This is really cheesy. This, I love bird song. I yeah. love birds. It really makes me smile. I love that. And I love the sound of my dog snoring. It's yeah. such a contented noise. And it's just, and especially when he starts having a, like a little sort of dream and he's, his, his little paws are twitching <laughs> and he's making a snorty noise. That is lovely. So between that and just hearing the birds, it's like when in the summer, when you wake up and the dawn course is going, oh God, I just, 
I don't know, I just love it. It's yeah. just, it really, really makes me smile and makes me think, this is this is lovely. You know, when everything's shit and you're hearing these birds singing, you think, God, they're still singing. No matter what's happening, they're still singing. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, che- cheesy as hell, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, like I say, it's, there's a reason things like that are cheesy. It's because they're... <laughs> yeah. There's a truth to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what sound or noise do you hate? That's an easy one as well. I hate, 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 hate revving motorbikes. Yeah. A revving motorbike and those cars that these racer boys have that have those those exhausts that backfire, yeah. that make that ridiculous backfiring noise. Um, we live on a main road, so oftentimes they'll go past and as they're passing, the, yang, as they're passing the house, oh, I, I want to go out and punch them. I want to go out and just shove them off the bike. It's like, did you do you really need to do that? I can't hear me telly. Five o'clock the other morning, some twat woke me up because they were revving their little scooter thing. Yeah, the scooters it's... are worse than the motorbikes. The motorbikes, well, some of them at least have a nice sound, but it's those little twisting of yeah, <clears throat> yeah. They're like a bloody hairdryer, aren't they? <laughs> and it's, it, I'm afraid if I lived next door to somebody who had one of those cars that had that backfiring, I think I'd go out and slash the tyres. <laughs> I'm not a violent person, but that would be like, really, really? <laughs> do you have to do that, really? <laughs> I would not be happy. That's when you do no. the. Beverly Hills Cop, banana in the tailpipe. Oh, God. I mean, it's definitely. a waste of a banana, but... Yeah, no, it would be a turd, I'm afraid. A turd <laughs> in, the, in the tailpipe. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can probably collect some on a walk. and. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Well, he's a, he's a big dog. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> right then, uh, the big one, what's your favourite curse word? Oh, arsehole. I use it very, very frequently. So it'd be like, really? Arsehole. So they, 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 come, they go together, you know? So, yeah, I, I love arsehole because it's like, it can be about somebody on the telly. It can be about a politician. What an arsehole. Yeah. I, it's like, and then I'll, I'll do it. I'll use it as a joking thing as well. So you know, I'll say to Damien, oh, don't be an arsehole. But I don't mean that. We, we don't talk to each other like that. We don't mean anything by it. If anybody heard us, they'd go, God, don't they speak to each other? This disgusting. It's like, no, it's purely joke. Same it's, with me and Catherine. Yeah, it's nothing serious. And I would People never think want... we're there, you know, witnessing an abusive relationship. Yeah, oh, God, be no. abusive, but... Yeah, it's, it's, it is just... I said we do affection. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exa- we're exactly the same, Stuart. So be like, I'll say something, I'll do... And he'll go, don't be an arsehole. And then it's, it's, it's just really funny. It just makes us laugh then, you know. It's um, like, we, so... we try and have sincere moments where we're like, love you. It's like, yeah. twat face. Yeah. <laughs> And we, I also do this thing. We both do it where we'll we'll deliberately frighten each other around the house. It's like there's only two of us in the house, so how can we be frightened? But I'll hide behind a door <laughs> and wait. And he opens the door, and he'll go, "Oh, so!" And I'll, he'll <laughs> and he'll do the same. He's like, he'll hide, or he'll do something, or he'll like scare me or something, and I'll do the same thing. Oh, so! So yeah, it's it's a it's a multi-purpose word that you can then also sandwich between, you know, other curse words as well. Yeah. <laughs> So it's 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 multi usage, but it's also a sign of affection. So it's affectionate yeah. arsehole as well. Dep- depends how I, <laughs> what tone of voice I've got, and depends on what the rest of the sentence I'm using it in will be depending on what what I mean by it. So oftentimes it will be really arsehole. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Right then, uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? So I think this is going to be a, like a really sort of obvious one, and a, and again a bit cheesy is probably being a full-time artist but yeah. you know if if I could get regular work um and there was enough sort of money to be had to sort of you know make sure I've got a pension make sure it'd be okay if I was sick and things like that um but the only the, the other thing as well is not just 
like a, a comic artist, but I mean like a a, a gallery artist as well. Yeah. You know, doing sort of things. So a, a sort of multi multifaceted artist as a, as a yeah. You know, a, a permanent thing, and then and then also doing because I used to teach art as well. So doing the teaching side of it, running workshops as as part of that because I had I used to well people already know this I won't, I won't bore people with it but I used to run a, a, an art group and it, it was just wonderful it was lovely it was a voluntary thing that I did and didn't charge anything for it I did that for four years and then I was about to set up doing workshops I was branching out and I was about to do workshops and the pandemic hit so that all got kiboshed so it's that but I'd like to do workshops as part of a ro- larger role as a as a full-time professional artist not just workshop at a weekend whilst holding down a full full-time nine-to-five salary job you know I'd, I'd want it to be like a if if money was no object, put it that way. If I yeah. wasn't worried about having a regular salary and you know that kind See, of thing, so this is my thing. I always think people who win the lottery are the most boring fucking people. I know because they never seem to like. If I won the lottery, I'd love to like buy a big enough space that you could have a gallery in it, and then, yes. then an art studio upstairs where you could have a creative totally. artist hub. Oh, it would be. It would you be see all dream. these fuckers who win the lottery. It's like, yeah, we'll go on holidays. We'll buy a big yeah. house. That's, that's, yeah. that's so oh, fucking oh, oh, don't get oh, me wrong. I'd love to go and get oh, like yeah, yeah, tailor fitted yeah. suit and all that shit as well. Yeah. But, but the I'd worst love thing to is put something in the community that's oh, like creative, just, especially as the arts are dying everywhere. Well, you see, that's that's the thing that that because the the art group I used to run was in a um, is in a local library in yeah. my village, and they had this room to give it a bit of context here. They had this room that was a dumping ground. It was a, it was a bit where they put all of the stuff they didn't need in the library and blah 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 blah, blah. and they got a grant from the council and the local councillors, and managed to secure a grant for them to do this room up and open it out into an art gallery turn it into an art gallery and then at the time Damien was was a local councillor and he was chatting with the with the um, library manager and she goes oh she goes what would be nice she goes oh I'm so grateful for this this is wonderful and they, they used to put um, exhibitions up and stuff be great if we could have some art classes in here and he went I know somebody who could help so um, at no point I didn't want to charge any money for it because I thought that's I don't want to do it for that I wanted to get footfall back in the library yeah. and also do something for the community and also get my skills back up again because I hadn't taught for a while and, and hadn't taught art for a while at least. So um, I, I went across and offered my services. She goes, oh, she goes, well, we can't afford to pay you much. She went, I don't want paying for it. I said, I can get a grant. And I got a grant um, to get some, to start me off with some equipment. And I could give them that equipment and they give it back to me at the end of the day, you know, end, end of the session. And then what they, they started doing of their own accord, I'm going off on a tangent here, their own accord is they started putting money in the kitty and that paid for coffee, tea, biscuits and stuff yeah. like that. And it was a lovely community thing because people would come um, who were um, carers. They were, they were full-time carers for a partner. Some of them are widowed. Um, some of them turned, it turned out, I found out, they were getting two buses from other villages to, just to come <laughs> to my art group. And it was so wonderful. And it, was, it wasn't just the art, although I did teach them how to do and I'd do demos and I'd get demo artists in to come and do some stuff with them that would do it for free because I couldn't pay them. Yeah. It wasn't just that, it was the community side of it. They, they all got to know each other. They'd give each other lifts. They'd lend art equipment to each other. And it was just amazing. And you're absolutely right. If I was to win a load of money, I wouldn't go, oh, it's not going to change my life. It bloody would. It would change my life and other people's lives yeah. because I'd get I'd get a permanent thing. Well, we've, we have got a gallery, to be fair. It's, it's still going and I've had exhibitions in there. But, you know, I'd set up workshops. I'd be, I'd be traveling around schools because I could do that, you know, as a traveling artist and things like that. Oh, it would be amazing. It was, it's that that would be my dream job if I didn't have to pay the mortgage <laughs> That's it. and you know other and put food on the table and pay the energy bills you know what I mean it's kind of yeah that would be my 
that's that's why we will never win the lottery because we'd give back rather than give back you're absolutely right at least pay some you know i'd make sure that we were comfortable and never have to money worry about money again but yeah, I would help so you many people. You can't tell me that I need 180 million for the rest of my life. Exactly. What the fuck I'd, am I going to do with yeah, it all? There'd be so many people on my list that I'd pay their mortgages off for them. Yeah. I'd make sure they're okay, you know, because what's what's the point of having money if you can't um, give back and make people happy? That's, you know, I, I don't know. It's maybe I'm, I, I once I was once called a bleeding heart lefty. It's like, I'll take that as a compliment, thanks very much. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what? I'd rather be like that. Than it, an it's arsehole. weird out when you want to do something for a community, you're suddenly a bleeding heart lefty. Yeah, it's like, you know, no one. Oh, I got some stick for it. I got some but stick. Then off these some are the, the same wankers that moan that the toilets aren't open in public anymore. Exactly. All exactly. the shops are dying off in town. Yeah, yeah. No, I. I, I, I mean, for an antisocial bugger, I really um love the idea of community. That's oh, what I love yeah. about the small press thing. Yeah. Oh. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm the same for for an introvert and and you know a little bit antisocial. I thrived on doing that art group because it kind of. I don't know. It, it kind of got me out of myself a little bit and yeah. got me back into back into doing art and and doing back back into art for myself. And then I then I did it for four years. And then I stepped away. I thought I need to do some more work for myself. I think I need yeah. to start, you know, because it was taken up. Don't get me wrong. I didn't I didn't um, not enjoy it, um, but I didn't want to. It was taking up all my time, and it was it was taking up a lot of my time because I took it took it seriously, you know. So I stepped away, and one of them said to me, "Do you mind if we carry on without you?" I went, "Why would I mind?" Please, please carry on without me. And that's kind from, of the dream, isn't it? That it can carry it on without you. Absolutely. And then because uh, unfortunately, I, I was getting ready to go back and do a guest um, thing with them to go and do like a, a, a sort of tutorial with them. And then the pandemic hit, so I never got to do it. So you know, when the, with various other things, I've never been able to do it. So eventually, I will go back as a as a guest visiting yeah. artist, the founder of the art group, and I'll go and do a little tutorial with them or something. So. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's no, not just that as a as a as a profession. It's it's all that I could give back with it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. Um, all right then. On on the negative side, what profession would you not like to do? What I'd not like to do is probably a profession that I've I've already done in my past, and you'll know this one, Stuart, is working retail. Yeah. Because and don't get me wrong, I'm not denigrating work, retail work. It's bloody hard work, and back in the day you'd get quite a few arsehole customers. But nowadays, I'd, I'd hate to be in retail nowadays, especially with everything that's gone on with the pandemic and seeing the way that people in retail are treated and the fact that it's it, it used to be a thankless job and we'd get some really good customers. And retail got put me through my sixth form. It put me through college. You know, it paid for that kind of stuff. But, oh, my God, it's a thankless task. And I, I, the rudeness of some people, because I hate rudeness. I really hate it. And the amount of times I got reported by, by customers because I wouldn't tolerate being treated like shit. I wouldn't tolerate it. And next thing, well, I'm going to report you. I said, go and report me then. So they'd go and report me. And then the managers would have to say, I've got to pretend to have a bit of a word with you, but I understand where you're coming from. But can, can you please not pull such a face next time? <laughs> you know, they, they were on my side. I was never kind of properly reprimanded for it. Yeah, but... I was never good at hiding my contempt for certain. Oh. God, it was like, don't be so rude. I'm I'm talking to this customer. I'm dealing with this customer. Can you can you please wait? Don't talk over me. Don't be so rude. You know, all, all those kinds of things. But don't get me wrong, Stuart. If I was, you know, I was on my arse, then I would go back to retail if, if I'd need a job. And, I, and I'm not saying that in a way that, oh, retail's like a crappy job. It's not. It's a bloody hard job. Oh, it's an amazing and, job. It's, yeah, I, absolutely. 
anybody that can get up and go to work every day, Christ. knowing that the majority of the people you deal with are going to look down on you like you're beneath them. Exactly. It's oh. and it's it's just shitty the way that you're treated, the way that some people are treated. It's don't get me wrong, not everybody was like that. And when I used to work in retail, I, when I worked on the in the um, at the seaside, we'd get people that would come in every summer because they were coming on holiday to to the seaside, and I'd see the same people. And I'd always have a good chat with them and we'd have a bit of a laugh. And I remember one couple tried to give me some money, like a tip for being a nice sort of, you know, retail assistant. I went, I can't take money off you. I'm on the shop floor. I can't take money. Oh, please take some money. I said, please. I said, I'm, you know, I'm very touched that you want to give me money. I said, but this, this, this is my job, you yeah. know, but you get that side of it. And then you'll get some arsehole coming in who tries to nick some stuff and F's and Jeff's at you and waits for you when you're leaving at night to come and follow you home. It's like, fuck that do you know what i mean it's yeah. like no I'm, I'm done with that no no and especially now where everything seems to be people trying to film stuff to get a click on the internet oh jesus like, look yes. how i took down this brick in hmv yeah. or whatever it's like, yeah jesus, look really? what i stole and look at this arsehole it's like no really I, like i say <laughs> there were wonderful people that were regulars that I oh god yeah to this day but it just they became less and less because as town centers yeah. died off exactly that's the thing as well it's because it's slowly you know, shrunk yeah yeah. Everybody found it cheaper and quicker on the internet. And yeah. Well, absolutely. You've only got to look at it, the fact that they hardly have anybody working a checkout in the supermarket now. It's all those self-service. That's it. Yeah. I did and like I'm... that thing on the internet. I think it was on Twitter. Was it was it in Tesco somewhere or that big line? Yeah, massive yeah. queue of people waiting yeah. to be served by the one mm. person working on the till. Yeah. Because I'm guilty of going to those self-service ones, and you always need to get somebody over to help you yeah, because it'll because go. Yeah, I don't recognise the thing you scanned, yeah, or it's so something... light I can't feel it on exactly. the sale. Exactly. There's something in the packing area; it shouldn't be there. Yeah, my fucking shopping. Just, <laughs> it's like, just recognise it, will you? But yeah, it's too light, so it doesn't know what it is. It's like, it's like, oh, for do God's you know what would be quicker? Person serving me. Don't exactly. Wrong, I used to hate it at Christmas when you'd have to queue to the back of the fucking shop for 45 minutes just to buy your stuff. Mm. But mm. at the same time, it's weird. It's all the shit you miss. Like yeah, I miss, exactly. I miss yeah. Christmas shopping like it used to be. At the time, yeah. I hated it. But now but I really it, miss that. Yeah, you know, it's Late funny, night shopping, it? Christmas lights. Oh, yeah. It's, having that it's weird... All... It's a buzz that is Christmas, but at the same time, everybody's pissed off that they're there. Yeah, yeah. But I know I know exactly what you mean. It's that sort of... Again, it's a bit nostalgic. Everything feels a bit nostalgic now. Even and just you were actually back picking the thing ago. up. It wasn't just mm. coming in a fucking box. Yeah. And then when you were going to the, to the checkout, you didn't have to wait for someone to come to say it's okay to buy two boxes of paracetamol yeah or you were getting a bottle of alcohol you know all that kind of thing you've got to wait and you're waiting then thinking your red light's flashing on the auto checkout and you're thinking come on i want, I want a time limit you need to get oh you know but yeah I, that's just i me just want to buy my condoms and leave come yeah on. leave please my condoms and alcohol and go <laughs> i had a night planned and you're kind of killing yes me, exactly you're scuppering it um, yeah there's a window here you know <laughs> Too uh, late. I might as well just go to sleep. Fuck. Yes, keep it. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the moment's gone. The moment's gone. Sorry. <laughs> All right then. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? So, for anybody who knows me, they'll they'll know that I'm you know I'm a I'm a staunch rationalist and I'm an atheist and I'm a card carrying member of the British Humanist. But put that aside. If I was to to get there and he did exist, the one thing I'd want him to say to me is, "You've been a good person." That's it. Nice. And that's that's all I hope to to be remembered. Well, you know, whenever my time comes, I hope to be remembered that I was a good person. I tried yeah. to be a good person anyway. You know, simple as that. Nobody is a hundred percent good person. We all no. have wobbles. But... Of course we do. 
it's trying to be a good person that's the thing that's that's the thing i try and and i hope that people think of me as a good not not that i'm bothered about what people necessarily think of me you shouldn't always worry no. about what people think of you but i'd like to I, you, you don't want people dancing at your funeral going fucking asshole yeah she, yeah <laughs> really she was right asshole. but you know it's, it's funny i was talking to somebody the other day um it was in work and i said something about being rude i can't remember what it was and i said it's one of my things that i'd hate for anybody to think i was rude i've got this real thing that i would wouldn't want you know i do i know i've been rude to people but i've not intended to be rude it's just mm. either a, a I've said something and it's come out in the wrong yes. tone or, yeah. or, you know, I've been frustrated with one thing that's happened before and then they've come up at the wrong time. It's yeah. like when I snap at the kids sometimes, cause you just do, cause mm. kids are fucking annoying sometimes, <laughs> but they don't mean to be, they just are. Cause I was fucking annoying when I was a kid as well. <laughs> cause you either want attention or you want to know something or exactly. but it's, it's always at the exact wrong time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a given, isn't it? And it, you, you say this. And I remember when I was in my last job, <clears throat> and I remember apologising to somebody because I always believed that if I, I felt I'd been rude, I felt I'd, I needed to apologise. And this this guy had caught me at a really wrong moment and I was a bit snappy with him. And I didn't bite his head off, but I was a bit snappy with him. He didn't say anything to me. And then later on, I collared him. I said, I'm, I just want to apologise for, for the way I was. And he went, like what? And I went, well, I was a bit snappy with you. And he went, I didn't, didn't see it. I went, oh, well, I did. And I knew I was snappy. So <laughs> I want to apologise. I would never want to have come across or anybody to think of me as a rude person. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was in retail and people were rude to me, yeah. I could be rude to them, but I wouldn't whenever want people thinking. It's like sometimes I've someone said, Oh, I saw you and I waved, but you didn't wave back. And I went, oh, God, I'm really sorry. I didn't have my glasses on. I didn't couldn't see you or, or whatever. I'd, I'd hate for anybody to think I was rude. It's just, yeah, I don't know, it's followed, followed me through. It's through, like right when I'm driving as well. well. If I think mm. that somebody wouldn't have seen me hold my hand up to say thank you, that plays in the back of my head. It's like, Yes. Yeah, what if they didn't yes. see? They're going to think I'm a right prick now. Exactly. Because when people don't thank me, I'm like, they've got I no idea where I am. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm so fucking angry when people don't oh, thank God. me. Oh, God. It's like, Really? Arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've just let you out, you bastard. You know, in a big queue and you've not even thanked me. <laughs> <laughs> Better than me, are you? Yeah, really? <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to keep saying that now. But <laughs> after I've been following them for five miles, I kind of <laughs> yeah. think I'm taking it too far and I go home again. <laughs> I know where you live. <laughs> I'm going to find you! Yeah. <laughs> Arsehole! <laughs> oh, dear. But, but yeah. right, um, just quickly, sort of, what what's you've got coming? Obviously, we have a clear run, which... Clear run, yeah. Which is superb. And I didn't see Tony's pool quote until... I don't know if it's in here. Or it's it not in there, somewhere. unfortunately. No, it's online it was, um... Um, But yeah, I was like, I really wish I owned a dog. Because oh. we borrow a dog, because we look after my sister-in-law's dog. I've got you, right, work. yeah. So, which is sort of enough, so you have all the fun of the dog without the... But you can give it back, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it is a lovely book. I think I had the same thing that Alan Henderson had, where I picked it up to flick through it, and then ended up, I was reading it, in that way that you do, when something first arrives, you're like, oh, yeah. oh no, what's that? What's oh, that? Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. I've, I've, like I say, I've read it a couple of times. I'm going to give it to my youngest to read as well because he loves dogs. But I love the way you've done. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Um, but obviously, it's it's about Marty, which is your dog, mm. who was a ex uh, racing greyhound. Yeah. And like you know how he came into your lives and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's just so, it's so again, it's such a simple idea. And I mean that with the utmost respect. Yes. No. I t- no. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. So beautifully simple. You're like, why haven't why haven't anybody else done this before? Oh, that's that's really nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I I wrote it and drew it and compiled it and got it all ready around about this time last year, and I was going to kickstart it. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd sorted out my tiers. I was figuring out what I was going to do for each tier. There'd be like you know little sketches 
uh, one of the sort of higher tiers would be, <clears throat> excuse me, would be um, a pet portrait commission. You know, I had it all set. I was ready to to go with it. And then I got diagnosed last year. And then it was yeah. like, I, I can't, I didn't know what my path was going to be and whether or not I could fulfill, um, you know, the tears and stuff. And I didn't know how sick I was going to get. I had no idea at that point. Um, so I, I thought, sh shall I do it? And then I'm glad I didn't because I was in and out of hospital. So I, and yeah. I, I couldn't draw. It was, well, I couldn't draw because it hurt. And I wasn't in the right frame of mind to draw either because that, that was the last thing on my mind was drawing. No, I you mean, know. you had more important things going on. So. Yeah. <laughs> not so not I kind the of... drawing isn't important, but, you know, yeah, but, it, yeah, when, it, when was, it comes you know, to these things. <laughs> absolutely. When, when I could draw, it was just bliss. It was it was wonderful to be able to draw again. So I parked it and never thought any more about it. And then um, when I was kind of, you know, starting to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel, even though I'm still on this bloody runaway train, I was starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then I started working on other stuff. I was, you know, doing a few commissions and, I've done some work with um, Tony and, and yeah. um, I did some, or did work with Alan before that. With Tony, I've done some stuff for that comic smell with Dave. And then I've started working on something else, which I won't um, spoil because it's, I'm hope, hoping to get it out in October, but I don't know yet. And then it was only a few weeks ago when Damien said, what are you going to do with that book? And I went, yeah, you know, you know, you've done something a while ago and you think, if I relook at it, am I going to hate it? And I had this feeling that I was going to relook at it and hate it. And I relooked at it and I thought, I actually quite like it. And what I actually pared it down and took a couple of pages out that that, that were unnecessary. That, that yeah. didn't, it didn't add anything to the comic. And then pared it down to the number of pages it is. And Damien said, let's get this. And it was him that pushed me, to be fair. I wouldn't have bothered with it. He said, Let, let's get this out. Let's get it printed and we can launch it at Bridlington, you know. Um, so I thought, eh, I'll go on then. So we, we got it back from the printers and I thought, oh, I'm really pleased. I'm, I'm really pleased that I've done this now because I, I really liked it and stuff. And then we put it on pre-order and a load of people bought it on pre-order. And we, we got them out um, just, be, was it just before we went to Brid. Sold quite a few at Brid. And we've been selling it perpetually now, constantly for the past you know week or so. And I've already got 10 left now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, my God, I, I wasn't expecting such a, um, a lovely response to it really and that's it really warms my heart I've got to say it's just lovely because I've had people contact me say oh I got a bit of dust in my eye you know it's it's kind of oh you know and I thought that's that's really lovely you know and I think I think I mentioned earlier on I can't remember if I mentioned it while you were recording or not but a friend of mine who's a teacher has asked to have some to, to, to use in her, in her kids book group so she can talk about comics and you know and also yeah. teach them about racing greyhounds and their their past life and what happens and you know that kind of stuff and and I thought, well, of course you can. You know, it's really nice that you want to, to talk about it with your with your group, which is which is lovely. So so yeah, so that's been my um my latest thing, um, which I'm so so pleased about the the um response to it. It's, it's people have been so lovely about it and people have reviewed it and stuff. Yeah, it's really nice. Like I said, I was gonna fire you a message and I was like, no, actually I'm gonna be speaking to you later in the week, so I'm gonna hold off onto it. And uh actually yeah, say it in person because it's one thing I miss about cons with buying it online rather than actually yeah. buying it in a con and being able to speak to you at a con speak about, to you about it, it yeah yeah it's, it's, it's nice again, it's, it's that community thing and it's totally yeah it's, and it's the retail thing <laughs> it is it is and people would come I mean to be fair the um Andy who was um who did the 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 convention last week and he kept saying don't forget the mezzanine there's this small press upstairs and he said oh he said and don't forget he said there's a new launch of a new comic upstairs clear run i thought that was really sweet of him yeah and then people would come up and they'd come along and they'd, they'd immediately see the dog and go oh and then one guy had seen it on um the brid facebook 
page and he'd, he'd deliberately come to our table to get that book he said because he looks just like a dog that he had and I thought that's lovely because it's touching people who had yeah. dogs that um look like him or you know and have since passed away and things like that I thought oh that's really lovely he told me all about his dog and I was happy to listen to him because he, he clearly loved his dog very much and it's just the way it's it's even people who aren't dog owners or necessarily dog lovers it's that pet thing it's that having that pet and, yeah. and it's it's the dog's history and stuff. And I didn't want it to be cheesy, but I wanted, I wanted to be real as in like, that's, that is what happened to him, yeah. you know? And that is what predominantly happens in the racing industry as well. It's not a pleasant industry. With great no, racing. that's it. I mean, it's the thing you sort of know, but you don't know yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh no, totally. It's because it's, you suspect it's not, it, but yes. Yeah. It's, it's not good. And we, we learn a lot more about it once we got him about the industry itself. And we learned a lot more about him as well, because he's actually Irish because he's got two tattoos and they, they only tattoo both ears in Ireland. And then when, and I, I've been told this, I'm, I'm, I can't confirm it. So um, if anybody's out there who says, no, that's not true, it may, it may well not be true, but I've heard that when in Ireland, when they finish their racing days and they don't, not winning anymore, they hang them yeah. and that's it. So he's very lucky to have got out of Ireland and, yeah. and then they sent him to Yorkshire where I think he raced a bit in Yorkshire. I don't know for sure. And then from Yorkshire, he went to Manchester Dogs Home and then he was only there for a matter of weeks. And we came along <laughs> and went and just fell head over heels in love with him. It was like, that that's it. So that that little bit in there is in there where we fall in love with him, you know, at, at the home. I love and that then, bit. And I love him finding his, again, without going into too much detail, yeah. but I love the bit of him sort of being like, where is this place? Yes. I'll be gone soon. Won't yep. get used to it. Yeah, yeah. And they, they warn you about that because... because so a lot of the dogs in the home have been already been in homes and unfortunately they've had to be given up for financial reasons or people have died or whatever. But with ex-racing greyhounds, they've rarely been in a home unless they've been fostered for a little yeah. bit to get them used to being in a home. But oftentimes they've never been around a kettle or a hairdryer or a TV or anything that makes a noise. They've been in a, in a cold concrete kennel and a plastic bed and food thrown on the floor for them. So that's, that's all they know. So they come into this house and go, what the hell is this? What's that? And they, they've, they've told us that they've had people take a greyhound and they basically can't cope with the TV and they've had to give them back. And it's like, well, you have to work with them. It takes yeah. time. They're not going to be comfortable straight away. You've got to put that effort in, which is what we did. We put the effort in, but we were very, very lucky. He wasn't spooked by anything apart from people and people <laughs> try to fuss him. And he's like, whoa, get away from me. You know, it's like, what the hell are you? And he was a bit like that with us at first. But that's taken a lot of work. His anxiety has taken a lot of work. And even now he still has these anxious moments and he has quite a lot of obsessive compulsive. Yeah. He has to do things in a very particular way. And But it kind of fits in because I can be a bit OCD as well. So yeah. it fits in with us. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, <laughs> it, it works well with us because we have a routine. I have a routine and it's, it works, you know, so. What's well, it? I mean, anybody who follows Damien online already knows Marty. Oh, the Marty Walks. From, yeah. from the controversial Marty Walks, apparently. Oh, some again, <laughs> really? Arsehole. Honestly, it's like... Yeah, um, anyway. I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on it, but it was just when he posted that, I was like, really? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. It's just the a, other shit that's online. Exactly. Really? It's, it's a bit of fun that people can take out of it what they want, take a bit of enjoyment out of it, was there any need to be such an arsehole? So, really? So I love him. My day doesn't really start, and I don't always see him in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Algorithms and that. They yeah, of course. Sometimes pop up in the afternoon, or I don't see him at all, so I have to go back after a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This might be up to no, you. No, people love it. Was it a sausages day or not? Oh, God, yeah. And, of course, bin day. Stonk yeah. day. You know, 
It's it's a ooh, he loves stock. He loves a good smell. Yeah. He's right. He's right. Cadaverous dog. He can, he can sense like a dead bird or something in the distance because he, he puts his nose to the ground. He's like that, and he's thinking, "What what have you smelled?" And then I'll see it. Like, whoa, no, 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 you don't. <laughs> but yeah, he's um, he's lovely. But thank you for for the nice, kind words about that comic. It's no, no, it's. Yeah. I, I always I always jokingly think I'm going to have to start referring to this the blowing smoke at the guest's ass. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I I have people on that you know do things that I generally love. So oh, that's lovely. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. That's really nice. If I can't big it up and hopefully get a few more people headed in your direction. Oh, thank point. you. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of doing the podcast? Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, apart from listening to me waffle on and swear, really? No, no, that's it. But um, anything else sort of coming from? Obviously, we'll do um, the links and everything for where people can buy it. But from sure, that yeah. I saw a pre-mortis teaser. Ah, that's what I'm. Yeah, so I'm working on something at the moment. I don't want to give too much away. Um, but I, I do post the odd sort of little cropped in, zoomed in version of, of, of visuals of stuff like that. So it's a very different style to me um and i started doing it as a bit of a oh what can where can i go with this and it started you know I, you'll know this where you start doing something and you start noodling and it grows and grows and grows and you think oh actually this this might be something so i've just carried on with it and carried on with it and carried on and i'm at that point now where i'm probably in a position to start putting it together uh, and it is a comic start putting it together and then seeing what might be missing and yeah. add the bits in that i need um, but it is going to be amongst the kind of um, it's it's not a pre mortis sequel, but it's in the pre mortis range, yeah. should we say? Because we we do want to do a pre mortis two, and we were going to do that um, in twenty twenty, but of course twenty twenty sort of just blew up, didn't it? Really, with the pandemic, and we never got round. I know it's a terrible excuse, but we never got round to it because no, we lost a bit of mojo. The beauty of this and... is is nobody's you know people might be waiting for it, but nobody's waiting for it. If you sort of I mean, sure, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not like you've said this will be out in November, and people are like, where the fuck is where, it? Yeah, ex- exactly. It's been three years. It's, yeah, I know. So. I mean, we've got, um, well, Damien's got his story for, for pre-mort- the, the official pre-mortis too. Um, I've got some ideas and stuff, but we've just never, because Damien's been busy with kind of doing the galaxy grappling stuff. Yeah. He was doing some work on a, on a full wrestling comic for a, for a wrestling group in, yeah. in Preston. So he's I, been I doing that. that. Yeah. So he's been doing work for other people as well, obviously working on DUI stuff. So it, I'm not complaining. I mean, it's love, lovely being busy, you know, and it just keeps your, your hand into to drawing and stuff like that. But it's about... We just need to pull our fingers out and go, right, let's set the, the thing and let's get this this done. Um, but we just, if I can get done what I'm doing out of the way, um, they, I think Damien's been working on some some commissions and stuff as well. Um, so it's just it's just finding the time to do it. And we just, I don't know, we've, we've got some time off work coming up and then before you know it, we'll be having Christmas, a bit of time off for yeah. Christmas. So maybe we can pull our fingers out and, and get some work done then, you know, but... I mean, ninety five percent of creativity is procrastination. So. It, it to- totally is, totally is. And it's kind of... You know, you get your because I I try like I'll I'll my day consists of going for a run in the morning, doing a day's work, and I try and get an hour in the studio at, at night. But sometimes you just think, do you know what? I'm not in the mood, so no. don't do it. You know, I say you can't force it. it. And no, it's why I try and have a couple of projects on the go at once. So if I'm not in the mood for one, I might be in the mood for the other. But if totally. I'm not in the mood for any, I just want to sit yeah. and watch telly or yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Or I do work for the podcast, that yeah, sort of thing. Absolutely, and it's about not not it's, it's not like yourself. I'm getting paid for it. Really, it's not well, like that's it. That's it, and we all it's put pressure like it's on ourselves. Again, like you, I'd love to be like professional oh, yeah. artist, yeah. illustrator, whatever. I yeah. used to watch that thing on BBC Four. I think it was the "What Does an Artist Do All Day?" Oh, I love the one with um, Frank Quitely. Yeah, I bloody love that one, and it's quite funny because I've, I've eventually met him. I met him at um, at uh, the Shrewsbury one, uh, the Comic Salopia. It was God a few years ago now. 
And I met him there because I thought I'm gonna have to go over and speak to him because I just love that thing. So I went over and I said to him, I said, I said, I just want to come and say hello and, and had a chat with him and stuff. And I said about that, what do artists do all day? He went, Oh God, he says, he said, the amount of people, he said, it, it was cut in such a way, he said, that made it look like I never went home yeah. and never got any sleep. And he said, the amount of people ringing me up going, Oh, Frank, you need to get some sleep. Oh, Frank, you need to go home. He went, I do go home. I do get some sleep. He said, don't worry about me. They cut it in such a way because it was only half hour, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think that was on YouTube. I yeah. That's where I rewatched it because they never. Yeah. that was one of the ones they never repeated. Ah, I got one you. one that they always seemed to be on that was, I can't remember the lady's name now. She was an illustrator for children's books. An old lady. And her Not- name's completely gone from my head. But it was a great episode. She like worked upstairs in her house in the morning. And then she went to the park and like oh, grew uh, children. Oh, God, whatever. I, I know who you mean. I can't remember yeah. her name. Her yeah. name's completely gone from my head yeah. now. Unfortunately, um, I think she died fairly she, recently. She did. Did she do the the tiger that came to tea? The cat tiger. Is that, was that I think the lady? she might have done. I'm not 100 oh, percent sure now. Um, and I know that that program is like the idealized version of what they do all yes. day. Yes. Yeah. Because I imagine 95 percent of what they do all day is like <laughs> toast. Sit yeah. and stare at a blank page. Put on the telly. Yeah. Be like, yeah. Why the fuck am I watching this morning? Turn yeah. that shit off. Sure that go shit do off. some work. Yeah. And they get to the end of the day going, I've done nothing. What the hell yeah. have I done looking at a blank page? You know. That would yeah. be my big fear about being a professional artist is that I would end up procrastinating most of the day. Well, yeah, because I suppose when you're it's getting a stuff, routine, isn't it? it that's, then that's the thing, yeah. You can't get a routine with creative stuff. I mean, some people can, yeah. but for me. If I'm like, right, I'm setting aside three hours to draw, I can guarantee most of that will be, I'll just check Twitter. I'll just check Facebook. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's... I'll, I'll scribble. Like, I'll do a really shit Batman to warm up. Actually, I'm quite getting into doing this Batman. <laughs> it's fatal, isn't it? It's going off on that tangent. And it's kind of, and I think to a degree, I think working as well, I think working informs your creative side as well. Because yeah. when I got made redundant, I wasn't in an office and I wasn't doing any kind of work. I was like frantically looking for work right at the beginning of the pandemic, which was, you know, just useless. And so I lost my creative mojo because um, I couldn't think of a pre-mortis story because my pre-mortis story, original one, was based around work. So yeah. work was informing that sort of creativity. So because I wasn't doing that, all I was doing was going out running. I ran every day constantly to to quiet my mind because I couldn't get a job and I was shitting myself because I couldn't get a job. <laughs> So it's like, so I'd go out and run, but it wasn't getting the juices flowing because there was nothing informing me. You know, all I was seeing was Damien and the, the countryside because we weren't socialising, we weren't doing yeah. anything, we wasn't seeing anybody. And it was, it was all, it wasn't good for the creative juices. And then when I got work and stuff and my, you know, my world started opening out a little bit more, the juices started flowing again. And I got my mojo back. So it's, it's weird, isn't it? I, I say I'd want to do it as a permanent full-time thing, but would I lose my creativity? You don't know, do you, till you do it? No, that's it. it. It's, I mean, that's why it's a dream job, isn't it? It's, yeah, of course. Yeah. As as with all dream jobs, the actuality and reality of it is... Mm. I mean, the pandemic was weird for me. I was more creative in the pandemic than I'd been in years. Yeah. I think I churned out three or four mini-comics. Oh, fantastic. I mean, they were mostly shit, and I chucked them straight up on the website, but it was just... I had it in my head. I think because yeah. being a postie, we worked right through. But Sure, yeah, yeah. I was out in a van by myself because we weren't allowed to van share, so I was on my own, so my of brain course. was ticking over, um, which sometimes is a good thing and sometimes is a bad yeah, thing. Yeah. Sometimes I have to put one earphone in and just listen to a podcast or something because mm. <laughs> sometimes getting alone in my own brain is a dodgy thing. Oh, it's it's not good, is it? No, too, too much time to think, yeah. But you suddenly start thinking about all them stupid things you did that weren't really that stupid, but in your head they're like 50 million times more. Exactly. You blow it out of proportion, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, yeah. 
yeah so i've and then it just you know eventually you burn out don't you but yeah but you just can't like i say creativity is such a weird thing take my hat off to anybody that can be like you know this is what i do between these hours it's like um seth the american artist who um the seth dominion documentaries about him he's done loads of books um and now i can't think of any off the top of my head i've got one here hang on no i haven't i thought i did um drawn and quarterly he does a lot of stuff through them um right. it's a really good documentary but he like has a set time i think it's only like three or something hours a day oh, yeah yeah that he does his art stuff and the rest of the day he just dosses around mm, mm. you know that's my dream artist <laughs> oh god yeah just have that little bit of structure isn't it because i mean like you say in the, i'd lost me creative mojo in the pandemic but i was still doing commissions like pet portrait yeah. commissions so that's different because i'm get but i'm being given the, the photograph with that so i'm not trying to think of anything it was like here you go so i did quite a few commissions and i think some people admitted to me that we're getting a commission just to cheer up the family yeah because it was so shit it's like <laughs> oh well, fair enough you know if you want to give me money for that that's absolutely fine so that kept me occupied but then when that sort of dried up it's like now what do i do you know between commissions it's like you know frantically looking for work frantically trying to be creative it's like it's not happening you know just, it, just I see so many people that were on furlough that were like i can get so many things done but i've just not got the juices and like no. that's fucking insane if it i is. had that time i'd get so much done but then i had the thing where i couldn't do it and that just makes you want to do it even more yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> it, it, the, the, the brain the, the way psychology works and the way your brain works is a very strange thing it's yeah. well, it, never work it out it does does weird things weird things I have to do drawing while I'm watching either some shit on telly or put on a film I've seen a million times. I don't actually have to watch it. It's more a comfort thing. And Andy and I talk about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I've got the desk and I can sometimes sit at it and put music on and draw. But a lot of the time, because I'm solely focused on the drawing. Yeah. I kind of need. It doesn't work. I suddenly get in my own head. It's a bit like when you're typing and then you suddenly start looking at the keyboard. Yeah. And that's when you suddenly back to going. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. it doesn't look right. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I, I I listen to podcasts, like all different kinds of podcasts. I'm a bit of a, I, I love listening to neuroscience podcasts. I'm a bit of a neuroscience nerd. So yeah. I listen to things like that. Or I listen to crime ones. And, and sometimes because I'm so immersed and I'm in flow when I'm doing the drawing, I've actually not heard a word they've said. So I end up having to rewind <laughs> because I'm thinking, what did, what did they say about that then? It's because your brain wanders, isn't it? It does, yeah, yeah. So they've been talking about something quite quite ironically about neuroscience and the brain. And I've I've completely lost what they've said. And it's probably something like, you know, you will you will tune out of this podcast because you know, it's, like, it's like really weird. So I'll, I'll rewind it. And then sometimes I've been so kind of consumed with, with the drawing. I'll end up listening to the whole podcast all over again because yeah. I've completely, but it's there. And it's it's interesting and it helps me through. And before you know it, I've I've burned through. I've sometimes I've burned through a whole series. Yeah, of, of, I a, have. of a podcast. There's Just, you know, Alan Alder does one. Alan Alder does one. Oh, clear and vivid. Clear and vivid. Yes, it's yeah, amazing it's to do because they're fairly short and he talks yes. to so many different people. So many different. different things. Oh, it's great. And he's just got... got such a nice voice. That, yes. I mean, I love Alan Alder. Alan Alder takes me back to watching yeah. Mash with my dad. Yeah. And it's like I adore Mash. I adore Alan Alder. It's like if Alan Alder's in something, I'm like, yeah, I'm watching this. He's a great. He seems. He, I, I say he seems. I think he is a thoroughly nice chap. Yeah, he's a really nice guy and very. I, he's one of those people I've never heard anything bad said about no, him, other no. than from, like you know, people who are generally arseholes. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, a bit like the George Clooney thing. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about George Clooney unless yeah. they seem to be a. Yeah. Trumper. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you know, people who are just 
jealous of somebody being a, a nice yeah a nice person and an intelligent person i mean as well, again which, it, you know. they they might be an absolute monster in real life i'll never know but the, yeah. the image that's projected to me exactly and exactly. Until someone shows me the proof they're a monster, I'm going to go with the fact that they're okay. Yeah. But and he's just like I say, it's just such a really nice. It's really interesting. It's really deep stuff they talk mm. about. But it doesn't oh, feel God. like it. It does. Like it's say, really it's good. Great yeah. for drawing to, or yeah. just if you just want to zone out for half an hour. Yeah. I know that sounds horrible, but but no, yeah. You're sort of yeah, taking yep. stuff in, but you just chilled at the same Absolutely time. Absolutely right. Yeah, and just listen to his dulcet tones. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, with I've tried to listen to someone. It's like I've not followed a single word of this, but at least with Alan older one, it's like yes. he he's just almost like he's holding your hand through it a little bit. Yes, it's followable, isn't it? Yeah, I know what you mean. I've I've tried some. I thought, oh, that looks interesting or sounds interesting, and I've started it, and I've not liked the narrator's voice yeah. or the way it's being done, and I, I'm thinking I, I can't I can't listen. I'm no offense to the person doing the part. I'm thinking I can't listen to your voice. It's really grating on my nerves. So I've ended up not listening to it, <laughs> even though the subject matter might have been interesting. It's no. Do yeah, it. it's like there's some comic ones I find. It's like I'm mm. really interested in what you're saying, but I just know something about this is not making it click with me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got to click and it's got to gel with with <clears throat> the way that you hear things and, and sometimes some people's voices they don't click and they don't gel and I don't I no, no <laughs> shut it. up really <laughs> sorry I can't stop saying that <laughs> hassle hassle. <laughs> Uh, so on that bombshell then um, yes. obviously I'll put all the links in the show notes but where can people find you online hockey duck it's so it's basically all at art92 and that's all one word so it's on uh, Facebook Twitter and Instagram is all at art92 and the website is www.art92.com um, we've got a shop on there as well which if you go on it will actually uh, route you out because the shop sits outside of it because the, the website we've got doesn't have a shop function so it's all nice and secure in there um, and that's it, really. So, I, yeah. I mean, I, I've got my own account, but it's as boring as hell. It's just full of running and crap and yeah. stuff. But the, the Art 92 one is all to do with art and it's, stuff. But the, it's but like the art my Marty personal ones in. are there so that I can run the business ones. Exactly. Or, you know, not business ones, creative ones. Yeah, but... exactly. So, so yeah, so if you go to Art 92, you will see Marty on there now and again. And it's mostly full of art and what's upcoming. And we'll give you little snippets of stuff. So there's both mine and Damien's work on there. So... So yeah, so that's all the that's all our socials really. Nothing, nothing else fancy in there. Oh, I think there's a YouTube channel knocking about somewhere. I need to do some more stuff on that. But yeah, because you did it's, some tutorials on yeah, there. Yeah, there's little drawing tutorials, but that kind of that also got kiboshed last year as well. So I, I do need to sort of yeah. re, um do that. But I will do when I've got some time. I might start doing that again. No, that's it. I mean, I highly recommend checking out the site, even if you just even if you can't afford. There's free art on there to look at. <laughs> Yes. As in, you know, it's free to look at. It's not free uh, to buy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's just a, it's not a big fancy website. It's just good to have your stuff out there, and it's good to have a a, a sort of what they refer to as a portfolio online. So yeah. if ever people do want to see your work, it's like oh, just pop along to there, you know. And it's it's worked well for the selling of the the comic. That's for sure. Yeah. So that that's really good. It proves it gets out there and stuff. So we certainly don't look at um figures and how many people are looking at it. I'm not bothered. It's there, and people can look at it if they want to. So. No, you that's know. it. I occasionally look at figures for this, but on the whole, I don't really care. I just, yeah. it's nice to look sometimes, see what works and what doesn't. But yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> I do it because I like talking to people. That's the thing. It's the, it's the doing it for the love of it, isn't it? It's a bit like it, art. Do you do it, it for the love if, of it. If people dig listening to it, then that's awesome. But cool. Yeah. Yeah. If, if I make three people happy, then. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Damien always says. He goes, with my three listeners, <laughs> my three likes. <laughs> and one of them's me when I'm editing it. But. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then just checking it again. Like, is it all right? Yeah, that's me again. 
ting, 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 ting. I always love that paranoid thing when somebody's like, can you cut that bit out? And I make sure I do it. But then there's always the thing once the episode goes up, it's yeah. like, shit, what if the file got corrupted and it put that back in? Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, especially when, when they're like being really derogatory about somebody. It's like, oh, whoops, sorry, I forgot I was being recorded there. So I haven't been derogatory about anybody, I don't think. No. I'm feeling I, very I smug about that. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll do that in a minute after we say goodbye on this. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. And uh, I really enjoyed getting to watch Lost Boys again. So yes. Oh, definitely. It's yeah. always nice to have an excuse to rewatch an old favourite. Totally. So. Totally. And there's no need. You don't need an excuse to watch it. It's no. such a good film. I anybody who's never watched it out there, I highly recommend it for <laughs> its hamminess, its cheesiness, its vampire stuff, its nostalgia, its eighties. It just ticks all the boxes. Go and watch yeah. it, guys. Go and watch it. It is, yeah. Don't be scared by the old black and white cover. Don't be oh, a wuss no, no, like no. I was at like ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say six, but I was like, no, I was definitely older by then. <laughs> the maths doesn't add up for that. No. <laughs> Cheers for that. <laughs> My go. pleasure, Stuart. Bye. Bye bye. It's Everybody okay? Oh, Michael. Oh, Michael. Oh, son. Oh, my boys. How much do you think we should charge him for this? Dad. Dad. Dad, are you all right? One thing about living in Santa Carla I never could stomach. All the damn vampires. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven. That was The Lost Boys, and why not? I'd like to thank Alina for joining me on this episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out her art over on her pages and pick up a copy of Clear Run from the Art92 website. I'll put the links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you get to listen to your episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating. If you have a second or two to spare, I mean, you don't have to. We're just grateful you listened at all. If you've missed any And Why Not episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast channel over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, and on our website at hauntednerds.com. And if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook? Not only will we be kept up to date about what episodes are coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check out the links in the show notes. In the meantime, we'll be right back in two weeks' time when I'll be joined by the other half of Art92, Damien Edwardson, to follow up on last year's Monster Squad episode and talk about Fred Decker's directorial debut, Night of the Creeps. But until then, this has been a Nerds Who Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can't put the Superman 77s with the 200s. Bye for now. I told you not to come in here anymore. <laughs> <laughs>